Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Hey everybody, did the news get around about a guy named Butcher Pete? Old Pete just flew into this town and he's chopping up all the women's meat. He's acting and whacking and smacking. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie podcast from FilmStage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Delicious. <laughs> okay. We also have Bill Graham. Nutritious? Okay. All right. Yes. Good. I like <laughs> this. Let's see where it goes. We also have with us a special guest today to help us talk about the new film, The Menu. It's Joy Hui Lin. Uh, ambitious? Did I do that right? <laughs> yeah, that works. I I accept that. That is all very good. I like this. All right, we should do this. We should do this from now on. We should just try to like force our guests into completing a chain of rhyming words. I like that idea. Excellent. It's a hazing. <laughs> Wait, what's yours, Brian? Uh, well, we, we had delicious, nutritious, and then ambitious. Um, I don't know. Sleep with the fishes. Mmm, that tells a story. It does. Oh, man. Very suspicious. A soprano story. <laughs> <laughs> that anyway. is a show with a lot of eating. Um, a show that aired on HBO. HBO, which also has uh, Succession, which was previously directed by Mark Millad, who directed The Menu. So there we go. Look at what we just did. Oh boy, that that was stretched thin. That like was stretched. That dough. was like a couple of degrees of of stuff. You know, like a good ceviche. I don't know. Mm. This is going to be a nutso episode. Apparently, I don't know what's mm. going on with us. But anyway, let's nutso, uh, huh? Let's allow. Isn't that a, isn't that an ice cream? Mm. Someone's got to Google that because I don't know, but I'm just going to say, yeah, probably. Um, let's allow our guests to introduce themselves. Joy, would you like to tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been working as a food critic, restaurant journalist, and luxury travel journalist for about a decade. So that's why I think Robin thought that I'd be perfect for mm-hmm. reviewing the menu <laughs> <laughs> with you guys. Yes. So that's me. And that is awesome. How does so the nutso is a bluebell ice cream with uh, nuts on top? It's chocolate, vanilla, and nuts. There okay, you go. So it's a bluebell flavor. That, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's it's basically the drumstick, but bluebell version. Blue I don't bell. know what bluebell is. Bluebell is this incredible what? ice cream that you can get Ugh. in the south. Okay, ah. it's like south and Midwest because yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're coastal elites. <laughs> Should be. You're missing a lot of really good food. Hey, once again, back on the food. Uh, <laughs> essential life. Can't wait to talk about the menu. It's going to be a good time. Before we do that, all of the usual Michigas. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can email us podcast at filmstage.com. You can become a patron for as little as $1 an episode by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. Uh, you get access to our super cool Slack channel and first crack at all of our raffles and stuff. Um, you can also support us and uh, get yourself some awesome cinema all to your streaming devices uh, by checking out Mubi. 
Yes, that's right. This episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. And I would love to bring up one of uh, my favorite movies from one of my favorite directors, and that is The Road... Um, which is directed by John Hillcoat. Uh, perfect timing for this, because uh, Court McCarthy, whose uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Road, this movie was based on, actually has a series of new novels out. Uh, so check out The Passenger and Stella Maris. That is a completely free plug for them. Anyway, uh, The Road. I love this movie when it came out. I couldn't wait for it. So excited that it's on movie so that it can find a bigger audience. An electrifying adaptation of Court McCarthy's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Road is both a brutal examination of mortality and a study of father and son relationships. With raw performances from Viggo Mortensen and Charlize Theron, it perfectly captures the dark mood of a post-apocalyptic world. Um, on a personal note, I was reading this novel last summer when uh the cicadas were out in my neighborhood and my daughter and i would go on walks and we'd see the cicadas everywhere and this was like a real crash course for her in learning about mortality because there were so many freaking dead cicadas everywhere and uh i would say to my friends that she and i would have conversations exactly like they have them in the road just these terse weighted with portent and symbolism conversations it was great so the novel sticks with you the movie is a perfect evocation of the novel, and the author of the novel has a bunch of new novels out. So, like, what more could you want? Perfect. This is the time to do it. Check it out on Mubi. And you can try Mubi for free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash Filmstage. Again, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash Filmstage for a whole month of great cinema free um but yeah that's it um i don't see any reason we should put it off right if no one else has anything to talk about i say we get straight into our review of the menu this film directed by mark milad <laughs> milad milad anyone milad? i don't know but i've been pronouncing it milad to myself I've been saying Milad, but I think that's because I like to believe that it's like Milad. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This guy never directed a, an episode of uh, uh, Game of Thrones? Oh, he totally did. He directed six episodes. I'm totally going to call him Milad now. <laughs> oh, boy. Milad. <laughs> anyway, I'm making myself laugh. We're having fun. This movie... <laughs> Stars Rafe Rafe Fines? Is it, it's Rafe, Rafe, right? It's not Ralph. It's Rafe. Okay, yeah. before we move on, I do have to explain Rafe Fines, which I have done in the past. Okay, great. But this oh, man, is this woman splitting? It woman is explaining Rafe Fines His to me. His full name is Rafe Nathaniel Twizzleton. Oh yeah, Wycom Fines Twizzleton. Twizzleton. Sorry, remember Twizzleton. No, well, Google it. <laughs> And his last three names, Twizzleton, Wycombe, Fines, are all uh, hyphenated. So there are two hyphens okay. in his last name. He says triple-barreled now, last name. Mm -hmm. What about Joseph? Is, does Joseph also have those many, many names? 
Uh, pretty sure because okay. they are brothers, aren't they? I don't know, yeah, but I feel like they probably looked at Joseph and were like, he doesn't need all those. Oh, his is worse. Joseph Alberic Twizzleton Wycom finds. Alberic. Alberic. Oh my goodness. Alberic? They're going Alberic. like way like Saxon, Anglo Saxon here. Yes. That's that's so weird because if you really get like pie in the sky kind of idea here, Ray Fiennes is like popularly known because he played Voldemort, whose antagonist is Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> True. Oh Jesus. True. I don't know. Is Ray Fiennes only famous for Harry Potter? I feel like he was. Alone. Oh no 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 no. no, no but no. like like Long recently yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, I, there's for a the millennials. fucking generation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. For the millennials, no through yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, so no one re- existed before Harry Potter to shitty millennials. Exactly, and I won't say anything otherwise. Uh, Titanic, maybe. So they have a. Wait, it was he? He wasn't in Titanic. No, he was not in Titanic. Also, English patient lost Robin again. He was. He was a uh, cousin really... named Sir Ranulph. Hello. <laughs> All right. What about this cousin? <laughs> what I was—I thought you were saying that no brand or uh, universe existed to millennials before Harry Potter. No, I mean we had Face Off, we had Jurassic Park, we had mm, boys did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, girls love Jurassic Park too. Yeah, just because you're weird and don't like dinosaurs. <laughs> um, I liked what's that movie about the whale? Free Willy. Free Willy. I like Free Willy. I like Titanic. I like one of the Clueless. horse movies, right? There were probably Babysitter's Club. Oh, fuck horses. Oh, that one's good. Jesus. Wow. So not horses and dinosaurs. <laughs> wow. What is your problem I... with large terrestrial creatures? Um, I want you, to eat them. horses and dinosaurs. Give me a whale. Give me a good aquatic megafauna. I don't. I don't think you want to eat a lizard. Mm, I guess I guess I guess they're more bird-like. I guess first dinosaurs are more bird-like. Second, I have eaten an alligator, and it's not bad. Yeah, but those are fish. They're 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 water-based, so they're they're (laughs) aquatic. They don't count as a real reptile because they're water-based. Exactly. Just like a whale isn't a real mammal because it too is water-based. Yeah, it's like a water cow. This got strangely specious. Wouldn't well, Joy, a, have a, you ever eaten a lizard? Um, does a frog count as a lizard? No, that's no, a, that's an, an amphibian. Amphibian. Yeah. I, I would say no. an alligator is closer. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I've had alligator. I'm not sure, like an alligator sausage or something. Yeah, that that's the thing. I um, I've sure eaten like an alligator like meat. Like I've had fried. There's alligator. a tail. Yeah. Yeah. No, the tail's where all the meat is, because that's what they used yeah. to propel themselves <laughs> through the water. Well, it was chewy. Yeah, it's a little chewy. It's um, it's a, it's almost like a chicken crossed with uh, squid, I would say. Yeah, that's Ooh. a good way of putting it. Thank you. I like both those things. Maybe I yes. should be the food writer. Maybe you should. <laughs> Except for the fact that I have the palate of a 12-year-old boy. Um mm. Mm. Did eat alligator though, so I've got that going for me. What are we talking about? We were talking. We Sir haven't even through the cast. We, we we were talking about Sir Ranulph Twizzleton Wycombe Fiennes, third baronet. Yes, who, who also their cousin. 
I I remember first from uh it was uh the the fucking uh what's the movie with the the Holocaust? <laughs> Which one? There's so many. The, you know the one I'm talking about with the girl with the red coat. Oh, the Schindler's Italian list. Schindler's one. list. You yes. couldn't think of Schindler. I yeah, Ray Fiennes was famous it? for that, and also the English Italian? patient. Yes, Joy did bring up the English patient. Hot in the English patient. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. While you were yeah. while you were splitzing out or whatever. <laughs> exactly like that. Um, but yes, so uh, Twizzleton, uh, Randolph, Caster, Fiennes, Randolph, R A N U L F. Wait, oh no, no, P H. <laughs> I'm an English major. Okay, Rafe finds Anya Taylor Joy <laughs> and Nicholas Holt, amongst many, many others, are in this movie. Janet McTeer. Yes. John Leguizamo. Correct. It is right. Hong Chow, right? Yes, to yeah. both of those. Mm-hmm. Are, is anyone else going to scream another actor at me? No, no I'm, I'm going to scream. I feel like it's an episode of Jeopardy all of a sudden. <laughs> Rob Yang. <laughs> yeah. Love that guy. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, I haven't played the trailer yet, right? You guys have confounded me. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. Here is the trailer. Good evening. Welcome to Hawthorne. It'll be our pleasure to feed you. Tonight will be magical. All right. That is part of the trailer for The Menu, um, a movie in which a bunch of rich people go to a super exclusive restaurant for an exclusive tasting menu and get more than they bargained for. I feel comfortable that that is a good enough synopsis. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's begin. We, of course, begin with our <laughs> guest. Joy, what are your general, all-around, nutshell, spoiler-free thoughts on the menu? Um, well, I thought it was uh, quite a fun commentary in terms of like where we are as a society, like with great inequality and the sort of like eternal chasing of these exclusive experiences and the, the glamour of that and about the hollowness that comes from a life devoted to pursuits that are purely about pleasure. Um, yeah, that's what I would think so far. Non-spoilers. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Bill Graham. Sure. Um, I had seen the trailer for this, various trailers for this for about like three months. They uh, they really put this movie out there. Um, And I felt like uh, every time I saw the trailer, it just gives too much away. And I feel like ultimately that's where I end up landing is I was waiting the entire movie for the second twist, the third twist, whatever. And it just never really develops for me. And I just, I I thought it is an interesting concept. It's an interesting kind of execution, but it just didn't go that far for me. Um, I was kind of bored towards the middle portion of this film, sadly. Um, And 
yeah, I, I really like Anya Taylor Joy. Um, I like Ray Fines. I like Nicholas Holt. I had to practice in my head before I said his name out loud. Uh, and so, so you know, it, it, the, the cast and crew here are all pretty good. Um, and yet, I just it just never turned that corner for me, um, which is unfortunate, but you know, it, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation though, cause, uh, it'll be interesting to see where everybody else lands. All right. Robin Barr. Uh, I really enjoyed watching this movie. Um, I kind of got the same sort of delicious satire from it in the way that I watched glass and uh, not glass onion. Um, oh my God. Knives out. I actually forgot the name of that movie. Um, mm. it, it reminded me a lot of knives out in the sense that it's just this like crispy little caper type of thing. But I actually really agree with bill that it really, it sucked me in at the beginning. Um, I, I enjoyed the skewering, of this world. And I took away from it, probably the similar things that, that joy was mentioning, which is like, it's obviously like a, uh, an indictment of, of class stratification and how we use food to, as a tool for that. Um, but I agree with bill that I was waiting for that second twist. And I think we do come to a second twist, but it's a total like let down or it like doesn't go far enough for me. So, you know, as much as I enjoyed what we were watching, I felt like it doesn't really nail the ending. Um, but, I, but I did like it. I enjoyed this ensemble quite a bit. Um, I especially loved Hong Chow, uh, Nicholas Holt, who has basically made a career of playing cuntish buffoons. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed Can we say that the great. <laughs> Yeah, he is. I mean, we can talk about it, but he is very good at playing a, a certain type of person. Um, He's great in this. A, a, buff, a Kuntish buffoon, essentially. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I also, also thought Ray Fiennes was very good in this. He um, brought a certain gravitas to the role that I think, and maybe Joy, you can talk more about this, just like the the cult of personality around chefs. Mm-hmm. I I did enjoy this. And this has just been a good year, I think, for culinary Mm-hmm. Stories. I know there yeah. was Flux Gourmet, um, which I haven't seen yet. The, oh, definitely the, yeah, bear. the bear. Yeah. Uh, well, there was the bear. Yeah. There was uh, <laughs> Turning Red too. That had some yeah. good culinary stuff. So yeah, that's true. Very true. So. Yeah. But I think in the way that all Pixar movies sort of flirt with food in a way. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Show me them food. Coquettishly bat their eyes at a Caesar salad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a bun. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I did enjoy it, but I agree that it could have gone farther than it did. I also think Janet McTeer was amazing in this. Like she she really brought it home for me and I would love to talk more about it. And I am positive that we will. She was. In, yeah, she was Helen Pierce in Ozark. That's what I remember her most from. Mm-hmm. She she for, I've never she, seen it. It's um I don't know I've watched that whole show like twice and I'm still not like yeah totally it's great <laughs> um <laughs> but she's great in it there are many good parts of that show we're not talking about Ozark uh, a show where I'm almost positive that they never ate any food um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
They were too busy constantly trying to make money for and not get killed by a cartel. Um, I loved. I well, I loved. I I don't know. I loved this movie. I really liked this movie. I had a great time with it. I uh, I sat. I watched uh, nonstop. Totally involved. I I am. Um, I remember when the first trailer came out. I was like, oh, that looks really good. And then I made the mistake of watching like the second trailer. I was like, oh man, that feels like the whole movie. Yeah, but like also, I I tried to remember today. I should have just watched the original trailer. I tried to remember today what um I would have like thought the movie was about just off of whatever the first teaser was. Because like, mm-hmm. what the fuck mm-hmm. else was this movie gonna be? Like maybe at this yeah. point, like my brain is just poisoned with four months of foreknowledge. But like, what did I? Mm-hmm. What did I ever think the movie was gonna be? And what's funny actually is that the movie is a lot less of what I assumed it would be. I, I, We can get more into it in spoilers and stuff, but I think I was expecting this to be more Most Dangerous Game slash uh, Ready or Not. Um, and so I was actually more interested in the fact that it tries to remain mostly a chamber piece. Um, so I dug that. And I, 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 love, I love watching Nicholas Holt and his weirdness. Um, I'm constantly transfixed by Anya Taylor-Joy and, um, all of the secondary characters in this are equally as compelling. And there's a really fun, dark comic energy that runs throughout it. And, uh, yeah, I had a really good time. And actually I, if, uh, if the screener link is still working, which I, I assume it is, I, uh, totally want to watch this again. Uh, I was planning on watching it again last night, but then I ended up watching, um, <laughs> The Grand Budapest Hotel instead, because apparently oh, I'm well. on a Ray Fines kick right now. <laughs> also, hey, it's I a, mean, it's a good one. It's a great one. I I love that movie. That might be my favorite Wes Anderson. Don't quote me on that. It changes day to day. But between mm. watching the it's White mine. Lotus with uh, F. Murray Abraham, mm-hmm. and then watching mm. this with Ray Fines, I was like, you know where I can get a really healthy dose of both of these fine actors? <laughs> uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. And so I went and I checked in, and it was glorious. So that's or you can just me. watch Amadeus, which is one of the greatest oh. movies of all time. Love <laughs> that Amadeus. terrorized me as a child, so like I can't, <laughs> I can't with that one. Who let a child watch that movie? That's what I want to know. They, got, I, they literally played it for my fourth grade music class. <laughs> <laughs> like, we had very different reactions then. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it. I, <laughs> I've seen it I a lot in nightmares. school. I, I nightmares. saw it once in fourth grade and once in tenth grade. And then I, of course, watched it on my own. Hmm. Thank you, Long Island teachers. You're doing the (laughs) Lord's work. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's that's my basic review. I don't want you know for anyone who hasn't seen the the trailer, I don't want to spoil much. But um, yeah, I was I was very impressed with this movie. I you know I'll (laughs) I'm gonna do a Bill like shout out. It's also cool that it's an hour and forty seven minutes long. Yes. Yes. Um, in fact, when I saw that, I initially was like, ooh, that could be 17 minutes too long. But no, I think this is perfect. <laughs> I don't think it overstays its welcome. Unlike Bill, I did not get bored in the middle. I enjoyed it all the way through uh, like a like a T-bone steak with a bone marrow reduction. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, though. I mean, I want to point out, too, that I enjoyed it throughout. I So I wasn't bored. I just kind of wished that it went a little farther or maybe it was a little... Maybe had more snap toward the end. Mm. Like a good yeah, I wish dog. it was a little bit funnier. 
Mm-hmm. Like a good hot dog? What the fuck? This is yeah. a this is a foodie podcast, god damn it. Uh, what are hot you dogs are life. First and of I all, am a foodie. Are we are we ready to get into spoilers? Because we could address the hot dog foodie divide in spoilers. <laughs> That's true. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, you know, I want to offer, does anyone have any responses to anyone that we don't want to oh, slide into uh, the non-spoiler the, the spoiler section? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll say this real quick. Um, in terms of where I feel like some other films have kind of nailed this kind of tone and kind of skewering of, of the upper class and kind of having fun with that, I think Ready or Not from 2019, um, that one does a really, really good job with it and has a lot of fun with its kind of high concept. And it's got kind of, you know, the most dangerous game kind of baked into it as well. Um, so it that one, that one really... Impress me and surprise me. So, um, in terms of kind of comparisons with this film, hmm. what's that movie that we just saw? That the one with the the, the Gen Zers at the house? Oh, bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah, so that's an example of a movie that I think did the multiple twists like really well. Mm-hmm. And as one of you were saying, that like, yeah, you're kind of waiting for the other twist, but there isn't really one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a half thing where you're like, okay, but what next? Exactly, exactly. Get me. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that clip. I'm gonna turn that into Robin's text tone. Get me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I think we can I think yeah. we can just blow it all open. Yes. Um, okay. Let's do it. We are now in spoilers. And, uh, you know, Bill, you were talking about like, hey, we can't talk about hot dogs. This is a foodie podcast. The man is undone and won over by the request for mm. a cheeseburger. I, mm-hmm. he makes a uh, I, I, f- I feel like is, um, <laughs> still. Is he really undone? I mean, he lets her go. She fucking wins. Mm. It's apparently a really good cheese. It looked like a really good cheeseburger. It looked drooly. Yeah. Even though, like, I'm, a little, I'm yeah. a little over the smash burger thing. I think it would have been more interesting if he had hand formed the patty, maybe given a little. Yes. Press, but like, I thought that was a little too now. Like, yes. What was like he if, doing in 1988 or whatever? Oh, in 1988, he definitely was just throwing a frozen patty on a grill. So, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe he, he, like, you know, he twisted it up a little bit. You know, because they had some heritage breed, you know, beef or whatever. But like, it looked really mm-hmm. good. It did. And he got so he crinkle cut the fries. God damn. Anyway, <laughs> the fries I, looked a little underdone. I'll be honest. Oh, you like a fried hard? Uh, not like hard, fry? but I like yeah, I like it uh, colored. Double you know fry. that Maillard effect, like oh, some. I'm I'm with Joy. You do got to double fry it. You got to like blanch them. And then you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta fry, and then you gotta rest, and then you gotta fry again. <laughs> I believe it. Fine um, by me. Hey. So anyway, that's the end of the movie. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I will say that uh, I again like I, I thought this was gonna turn into like haha, you're all trapped in the sun. Now we're gonna eat you mm. um, or something. Mm. You know, like go and run. Like there is that scene where he's like, I'm gonna give all the men a chance to run, um, and then my yeah, I thought. Do- I, and I, I definitely and kind of like, do, like do back from that. 
Yeah, they they show that in the trailer a lot, and right. like in the in the newer trailer, the one that's a little bit more spoilery, and you're like, oh shit, like, and then it happens, and you're like, wait, so every, it's flaccid. Yeah, you're just, everybody's just coming back. Like, oh, haha. Yeah, yeah, it's hide and seek. And I, I, what was the reward? Someone got like ice cream. What what the fuck like was happening there? Oh yeah, yeah. I did. I did actually. Sorry. I did actually like that that part. Yeah, yeah. It was an egg dish uh, mm. given like to him in, inside the hen house. Wigs. It was incredible. That looked yeah. good though. Like I love anything yolky. I love so. good eggs. Mm. Ew, no. The, the one of the one of the, the there, so there's a lot of like horny European movies um, that <laughs> I remember mostly for how disgusting the food is. Mm. Um, one of them is blue is the warmest color when they're eating the spaghetti. oh the spaghetti. Also, there's a scene where she's eating a gyro and that's not any better. Um, and then there's Call Me by Your Name, where they oh, basically the just crack a raw egg. No, not even the peach. Oh. The peach is whatever. A peach is a peach. You can't do nothing with that. But they like, he's like, oh, I've Whoa. got like a soft boiled egg. And then he like cracks it open and it's like it wasn't cooked at all. And he's still like, I love that. Ooh, I it. love a jammy egg. Ugh, it's like in train spotting or, and or layer cake when they show them eating like an English breakfast. And it's like, it's beans and franks and a egg that was There's like no franks no it's it's like sausages and hot dogs it's like well, they literally the sausages have... are blood sausages no it's different no all right everyone pause go watch layer cake it's the scene where the guy beats the shit out of the other guy while ordinary world plays we've all seen it it's a perfect scene before that scene though this guy eats a full english breakfast and he mops up all the shit with some toast mm, and scopeta. one of them is an egg that like Moved near an oven at one point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, runny eggs are like my fucking kryptonite. Runny eggs are my. What's the opposite of that? Yellow sun. Sure. Yeah, there you go. That's Good job, cool. Brian. Thank you. Yes, I know Superman, <laughs> the most famous comic book character. Though Never I am still a little surprised by that. Yeah, I, I, I like. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll give myself props. Thank you, Bill. Um. Anyway, so Robin yeah, eats weird yeah. fic fucking shit. Um, oh, I do. I I mean, but that's I'm well known. Seen your for Instagram. This. Exactly. Slurp, slurp. Don't no. Awful. Can Awful. that be your new catchphrase on this? Uh, on it's this actually podcast? been my cat catchphrase for a while. I just don't think I've ever brought it up in this context of is my your life. Your catchphrase is slurp, slurp. Yep. Joy, what's your cat catchphrase? Uh. Precisely, probably like oh, disease. Okay. Disease. You always say so, like whilst. Whilst. <laughs> You're always just like whilst. <laughs> it amuses me. It's amusing. Okay, I would also like to point out that you're Swedish. You're like an adoptive Swede. But you did grow I'm up in California. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We were just like, I'm <laughs> Swedish, so we do I'm, this. I'm like, I'm you were 30 when you moved there. American, so yeah, because you were like plopped out in Canada, but you grew up here. Did you just use the term plopped out yeah. for, for giving birth? Yeah, slurp, slurp. Oh, God. <laughs> There's, um, are you going to eat? No, I'm not going to ask that. Um, no, I, I would never. I'm you're sorry. not going to eat your placenta. You're not going to eat that. No, I'm like, 
I was going to say I'm too Republican for that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about the, the bird in the egg, the Filipino thing. Oh, uh, I've, have I had balut? I think I've wanted to try it. I just don't think I've had the opportunity. Uh, is, is this like the tequila with the worm? Sort of. There's a dish in Filipino cuisine that's like the embryonic chicken or the oh, embryonic so it's like duck. like a fertilized egg? Yes, yeah. that is yeah. boiled or something. It's crunchy, it's got like little bones and gobbling. I mean, I, I eat... I I became obsessed uh, last year. Uh, in, I would do it uh, yeah. with uh, eating a soft crab shell or mm-hmm. so, oh, soft, uh, shell soft crab. shell eat soft shell crab. And yeah. it's funny because the one place in Florida that I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, I'll get this." They didn't have it, and I was like, "Okay, well, that's disappointing." <laughs> now I have to figure out another place that has it, and I had to like <laughs> I tried like two other places and failed each time. I guess it was it's, just out of season. Yeah, and it was just say, like it's it was such like a what specific like you have to catch it in its life cycle of like being big enough to eat, but also it. Just just multi. Oh, is it like larval? No. Is that really? No, no, no. It's oh, in no, the shed's shell. shed their shells. Like a snake yeah. sheds its skin. So if you oh, catch okay. them gotcha. right after the shell. Oh, I didn't know that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you eat the shell. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's you know, like it's very Brian's soft. saying, I know I've had it's it. very soft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. And I was just like, oh, OK, well, I just want to try it. <laughs> and I'm in Florida. So this is the place to try it. And it was like, deny. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you've never had it in sushi. It's it's. I have I've I've had it in sushi now and then uh, I found some random place when we came back home to Texas that just happened to have it and I was just like I right, just fucking give me this thing like let's <laughs> let's try this the whole Gulf Coast area's got great seafood so mm, of course yes. yeah oh you haven't lived until you are driving through a a storm like a Florida storm okay. peeling eating shrimp <laughs> it, from a bag. And handing every piece to the driver. So you like pop one for yourself, pop one for the driver. Mm, that Gulf Coast shrimp. I, I have indeed <laughs> never lived. Um, I will tell you that. You've never lived. <laughs> um, I worked at a Randall's in uh, Texas when I was in high school. And mm-hmm. like it, it's basically it's a Safeway. It's literally owned by Safeway. It's a very large, very nice grocery store. Um, and they, during crawfish season had like 50 pound boxes of crawfish um oh, and you man. Could hear them scuttling in there when the people <laughs> so like you'd go back to the deli and they'd hand you like the cold thing of of crawfish but if the person if the person like took some time to go and get some other stuff the crawfish would warm up enough to like come out of stasis and start moving and so you know everyone would be like hey it's crawfish season like you know gear up crawfish season's coming and I was like, this is bananas. These people love crawfish. And one day I'm like scanning some stuff. I've had a couple of crawfish boxes come through. And I look down and what should be hanging out on the register next to me, but a full on living crawfish that at some point must have slipped out of one of these boxes. <laughs> and so uh, for the rest of the day, I just had a pet crawfish. I put him in a little cup. Uh, I didn't know what to do with him because like, if you drop like a chicken wing on the floor, you don't throw it back in the hot bar, you know? 
So like, I wasn't sure what the yeah, protocol was. Yeah, eat it right there. <laughs> I wasn't sure what the protocol was for a live living crawfish. But I also uh, didn't want to like boil it and you eat it. I didn't want to do that. I also didn't want to go like throw it in the bayou because I was worried it was going to like throw off the ecosystem. <laughs> so I brought it you, back to the deli and I was like, you guys, you, do this you put way too much thought into this. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Have you have we met? <laughs> like <laughs> anyway, um, we were <laughs> the menu. <laughs> well, this we whole conversation brings up a really interesting point that uh the chef's character brings up that like nature is like impersonal and neutral right mm-hmm. yeah. like consume or be consumed like that's just the cycle of life and that sort of like ends up being like a theme about like the brutality right that yeah. justifies what happens in the film it's yeah. also interesting because it, it it plays into like Man is not a part of this, and one of the reasons for that is that man creates art, which involves a level of creativity mm-hmm. and, let's be honest, like, unnecessariness that mm-hmm. nature doesn't usually go for. And the movie sort of posits that under the stress of that, like, very man-made concept and, like, having to deal with all these people who exist outside of the rules of nature, <laughs> you could go crazy and want to fucking murder a bunch of people. Yeah. And you know, I actually, that brings me to something I've been thinking a lot about since uh, I saw this movie, which is an article I read many years ago about how um, food and the culinary world that, that we're sort of looking at here um, has really overtaken the traditional art world that food is basically the new art. Um, Mm -hmm. And because, you know, I had, uh, I went, to a Michelin starred restaurant yesterday for dinner with a friend mm-hmm. of mine. And we were all talking, my husband and my friend and I were talking about how, uh, you know, this is not, this is not the kind of thing that we would ever have grown up with that our parents would have ever really engaged with, um, you know, food f- for whatever reason, when you grew up in the forties and fifties, you just had a completely different experience of food. And, the, and of course that has to do with like the economics and where the U S was at that time, but that we've, that the three of us had really surpassed our parents in terms of not just culinary skill, but just interest and knowledge of the, of food systems of, you know, agriculture and where our food comes from and all of these class issues that, that we're always talking about. Um, and I think, you know, it's not just cause, Ooh, we're super special or whatever, but I think it's because it's like a, a generational thing that, that f- people, you know, don't really talk about, maybe they talk about film and television because that is also in some ways the new art, but we don't really talk about painters and sculptors (laughs) in the same way that might've been in vogue, you know, maybe 50 years ago. We talk about celebrity chefs. Right. Mm, I'm going to say something that's probably going to get me in trouble with people. I think it's because food and movies and television are art that people like care about and enjoy and a lot Yeah, it's more, accessible. Well, I mm-hmm. even beyond that, a lot of like celebrated modern artists and sculptors are like purposefully alienating to I would say 99% of the population. Yeah, like the Damien Hirsts of the world and Yeah, who's that know, Tracy fucking Amin. dude with the the stupid ass like balloon dogs? Oh, Coons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Coons. Cy Twombly is is like one of my least favorite human beings. Like it's these Twizzleton people. and Twombly. That's our episode. <laughs> and it's just this thing of like, like I think if this is going to sound insane, but like if, if there were a person out there still painting like 
any of the Ninja Turtles, um, you know, <laughs> people would fucking love it. But like we've we've moved into this point where the people who pursue art are like trying to do something different, but like it sucks. Like I I had a friend who like we went to the Modern Art Museum and she is like a huge nerd for art and stuff. And she got like depressed and wanted to leave because mm. she just hated everything in there. It was like, I get it. Yeah. This, this well, that kind of ties back in. Into the movie where like the art has become inaccessible, right? right? Mm-hmm. When you get to this level of dining, who gets to enjoy it, right? Right. It's, yeah. It, and and do the and do they enjoy it? Like none of like none of these <laughs> fucking people, except for Nicholas Holt, seems to actually like love this. You know, yeah. there's a there's especially a regular... the critic, <laughs> right? Well, I think a fun thing in a movie is when there's a critic character who sucks. But yes. I actually think that this one is not quite the leering stereotype of like the the bitch from Birdman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I said, no, she was. I know, but I said Birdman. Like, oh, I trust me. I, I call this movie the Manu. So, okay, well, that's Manu. weirder than Birdman. Um. No, I I would just I think I've watched too many times that clip of uh of Schmidt from New Girl talking about Birdman. <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? No. All right, but well, I know New Girl. Too bad. Um <laughs> I know who Schmidt is. He's great. He's the best. He's the star of TikTok. Every like a sound from him goes trending like every 2 weeks on TikTok. It's great. Mm. I'm sure that's what he wants from his life. Uh, probably. Yeah. Like if you're an artist, if you're an actor, like, wouldn't you want some level of relevance to permeate <laughs> in the culture? Uh, as long as well, I was getting paid for it, frankly. Uh, well, well I don't the, know about that. <laughs> what, one of the things I think is interesting in this kind of, uh, you know, discussion about like, uh, commercialism and, and celebrity chefs and things like that, um, is kind of like, there's been a re- re-examination in a way of like somebody like Guy Fieri who mm-hmm. is really easy to kind of look at from the outside and just be like this guy looks kind of goofy he looks like he's straight out of the 90s still you know <laughs> he's got the spiked bleach blonde hair he's got the giant goatee and you're just like what is this doofus and then you like <laughs> I remember there was like a like a meme going around and it was basically like, imagine, if you will, a guy that goes around the United States and celebrates small mom and pop shops and with unique food and just like puts them on TV. Yeah, and it's just like joyful. It's just like, what the, like, how fucked up are we as a society that we're like, that guy's a doofus. And it's just like, but think about what he's doing. Like, it's great. Did you watch any of his stuff during the pandemic? No, I mean, I've I've watched some of it before and I've like full on. If there's a place in a city that I'm attending or attending, going (laughs) to that, that might have like a, you know, a, a diner 
diners dive in and drive. What is Drive-ins it? Dives. Diners, yeah. <laughs> Not dive okay. in. We all uh, it up. It's called Triple I, D. If you yeah, really Triple are D. Yeah. It, 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 any any place that might be a Triple D kind of location, and yeah, I'll I'll hit that place up because I've been to I've been to three of them here in Dallas alone, and the food is fucking awesome. So yeah, he's not like, fucking lying. I mean, it's great food, and it and it is accessible. One of the best things about the diners driving yes. dives is when they like just talk to the people, and it truly is like it's people. It is people who are the opposite of Richard and Anne in this movie, where they're like, yeah, they've been there like eleven times in the past two years or whatever, and they can't yeah. even remember like a fucking protein. From one of the servings that they got? Like, how nuts is that? And meanwhile, at Diners Driving the Dives, mm-hmm. like, someone will be like, oh, like, the roasted pork butt eggplant sandwich is so amazing. The paprika <laughs> is amazing. And it's like a dude who works on an oil rig and his mother who crochets for the local Methodist church. Like, and these yeah. people are truly in love because for them, it's not just like a high art status symbol. It is a beating heart in their community. Um what I was going to yeah. say is, just to further heap some praise on Guy Fieri. Um, Daddy <laughs> Fieri, get it right. Did you say daddy? <laughs> yes, Daddy Fieri. All right, Papa F. Um, he So during the pandemic, he would order food from these places. He'd basically be like, ship mm. me oh, yeah. all of the yeah, ingredients. Keep them open. Yeah. And then me and my son are going to like, you know, make it in our like, outside back yard kitchen because he's got a full-on fucking kitchen on his back patio and they would have the people like zoom in to help walk them through how to create this stuff it was incredible it was so awesome that is adorable yeah that's adorable. i love that so my husband and i were in san francisco this weekend for a wedding and it, i mean there, there's so many interesting food things that that happened um that have to do with i think exactly what we're talking about so i spent all day uh friday in, in the hotel hotel room uh, working remotely and so i had a TV on the background. And whenever we travel, we know that we are going to watch like eight hours worth of diners, drive-ins and dives because it is just constantly on rotation on food network. Um, yeah. It's the only place I really watch the show. So it's special for me to be able to go to a hotel room and do this. And it is at some point you're like after the fifth, you know, cheeseburger, kimchi, fried chicken sandwich. You're like, I, this is all kind of melding together, but it's, it really is a joyful thing to watch. And, um, and so we went to this wedding and, and we had a great time. And then I spent some time with um, another friend of mine. Of course, we went to that Michelin star restaurant <laughs> and we, it was the kind of place where you have like a, basically a, a bite of, you know, two or three bites of like one particular dish and you have like, you know, 15 different dishes, uh, mm-hmm. small plates, obviously. Um, and there were literally two things out of the maybe 10 that I legitimately genuinely loved and would absolutely get again. And the other nine were just like, so, so for me. And I'm not saying it was a disappointing experience. I'm just saying like, this is what I have. This is what I take away from small plates. Like I, I usually don't have a, a great culinary experience, you know, nothing like truly hits it out of the park typically for me. And then, so we have this like you know, crazy meal, uh, just full of all these sorts of ingredients. Like I had, uh, a ricotta sauerkraut buckwheat pancake with dehydrated sauerkraut. Oh, uh, so that sounds fucking sliced over it. It sounded, it was really good. Actually. I was kind of surprised, but that was like genuinely delicious. And then everything else was like mediocre. And then my husband and I had, uh, we, you know, we went to 
the airport and there's nothing to do. So we just like go to, you know, the San Francisco Giants clubhouse or whatever. And (laughs) I order some just like barbecue wings and those fucking wings were so good. (laughs) <laughs> and I had just spent, you know, how, however much on this, like, you know, high end meal, so high end that you had to like line up at the beginning at, you know, four 30 in the afternoon, if you didn't have a reservation, you know, basically the kind of place that the menu skewers and here it was at, you know, nine o'clock at night, chowing down on some just like juicy ass fucking wings being like, I'm a fraud. Like, I just <laughs> love these wings. <laughs> What can I say? These $10 wings were amazing. And, you know, the other food was just too hit or miss. You know, like there's something to be said for for being able to like hit that. You know, like I, I worked at a restaurant that had like 17 pages in the menu. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's um like it was it was just like they can't do all this well. And then it would be like, oh, no, shit, they did. <laughs> like you get Dolmades. They were great. You got a oh, hamburger. It was a diner. Great. You got yeah, of course it was. I yeah, worked okay. at another place that was a little more high end, and then another place that was even more high end. But those, like you know, the menus successively got smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were almost always good. Yeah, but I mean, like, it was it was interesting watching this movie and just kind of like getting on its vibe of like I I kind of love that like this guy is just so clearly unhinged and fucking hates everyone. And I Ray finds the, the yeah. Chef. Ray finds is mm-hmm. incredible in this as like the <laughs> anti Monsieur Gustav from the, the grand Budapest hotel. Cause he's still got all the charisma, but his, his desire to serve and his belief in the goodness and civilizing aspect of serving from the grand Budapest in this has like curdled into a venom. Mm-hmm. It splits. a true nightmare let me tell you i split a caramel the other day and it was just like like sugar mush in butter grease and it was disgusting so i agree with janet mctear it's like it shouldn't be that way but hong chow i mean how fucking devilish and wonderful is she in this movie so she plays the um i guess the hostess who is a true believer of of slowick the the chef and the way she tortures people sort of psychologically in this movie is she's just so good. Like this is a, <laughs> this is a really undersung actress. Like I know she's getting a lot of attention for the whale and I haven't seen that yet, but I'm kind of hoping she, she kind of gets on people's radar for this movie. Cause she's so great. And it has amazing eyebrows. She was great in uh, driveways a couple of years ago. Mm. It looks like it was uh, 2019. So she was kind of the co-star in that and really, really good. Oh. So I, I, and she was I also in downsized her. if you saw that. Mm-hmm. She's, she's I did not see downsized. I did see Watchmen where she played Lady True. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Which was okay. That's what I recognize her from. She also plays Pickles in BoJack Horseman. <laughs> which sounds like i'm making a joke but like that's true that she did that and also that character is heartbreaking like that is a mm-hmm. fucking incredible performance because she comes off as a joke she's a a, a super exuberant pug named pickles and but she <laughs> she really like invests that character with a lot of depth and where it ends up is heartbreaking yeah, she's got papers. Yeah, that's great. So she was fantastic. This I'm looking. I'm now looking even more forward to the whale. Did I structure that sentence correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. The whale. Uh, the whale. She's also in the Wasn't new the Wes Anderson movie. About. 
the new Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City, and then it, apparently she's in the new Yorgos Lanthimos movie as well. So oh, she, look at her she's uh, she's moving. The girls she's getting around. It. She was in thirteen yeah. episodes of A to Z. Never heard of it. It was it. It's a it, so it had. It's a freaking television show that starred Ben Feldman and Kristen Milioti. Oh, that move that thing. I don't. They yeah. look like their brother and sister, honestly. Oh, they do kind of look like their brother and sister. Um, but yeah, uh, that's just those are two names. I was about to say, yeah, 2014 to 2015. Those are some very 2014 to 2015 names. Yeah. Though he was 100%. great in a in a superstore, and she was yeah. really good in and Mad Men. Oh well, yeah, obviously Mad Men. When he cuts his fucking nipple off, forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. What was? <laughs> What was she also great in? She's been a great in a lot of she things. Was Palm oh, Springs, Palm Springs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She was she awesome. She was the in Ma in How I Met Your Ma. Yes, she was. <laughs> although, mm, don't get me started on that show. We, You and I can argue about that show one day. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's get back to the, the sort of interesting character or these like micro character studies, because I think that's really what makes this movie amazing. And you describe it as a chamber piece, and that's exactly what it is. But of course, in my mind, I'm like, this is the best bottle episode. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what to expect because I thought maybe it would move forward in time, but really it's one of those perfect movies that takes place within a 24 hour period or like less than a 24 hour period, which I love. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're going through the motions. It's almost like real time with, with, with these people. And I, and and so we meet um, Nicholas Holt's character who is, I, I don't really remember, remember his background, but he, he, he seems a, well off. Yeah, yeah, just like a like he expresses himself through his love of eating and food, and he's super knowledgeable about how food is done, but is also a completely unskilled fanboy. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, like when he's like, you know, jerking off about the the Paco jet, it's just like shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> it's, and, and it's I, funny. It's <laughs> funny. It's funny you mentioned the Paco Jet because when I watched this, I watched it at Alamo, and a lot of times they'll have like curated, like you know, pre-show yeah. kind of stuff, mm, clips gee. put together, and one of them was for a Paco Jet, and and so when it came up, I was like. Erica, was that the thing in the? And she was like, "Yeah, that's a Paco jet." I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> so yeah, they that's gave really us a little cute. education. So yeah. So I did read that the movie brought in a Michelin-starred chef as a consultant who kind of came up with what she and her team thought would be like realistic enough, innovative mm-hmm. foods. Um, so I, which is surprising because I not surprising, but I I kind of thought maybe the. Um, I thought maybe the screenwriters were like so invested in pissing us off that they were coming up with things like milk snow. And it, it's hilarious to me that it's actually was a chef who was like, these are the, these are probably yeah. things you would see in a I place. I definitely like had mozzarella milk snow. Oh God. I, so, yeah. you know, back in my top chef days, I was on the bleeding edge of uh, molecular gastronomy. Right. I, I, along with the rest of America, grew to both hate, but also be transfixed by Marcel. Um, <laughs> Marcel the shell with shoes on? No, Marcel the, the fucking red-haired devil from that that season of uh, Top Chef. No? No one? All right, great. I've never seen Yeah, no, Joy I, knows. I was just thinking about how I've seen him on the dating apps. That's why I was like, 
Wait, yeah. you've seen you've seen Top Chef's Marcel on the dating apps? Yes, I have. That's incredible. Did you swipe? <laughs> no, he was so arrogant on the show. Maybe he's grown. Maybe I he's maybe, grown. Yeah, probably not. I'm just gonna be honest with you. He doesn't seem like the type of guy. <laughs> anyway, Marcel, if you listen, shout out. Um, Sorry. but like, yeah, like everything getting fucking spherified and foamed. And in this movie, they brought up snow like six times, and I was like. Is this them making fun of the foams and the spheres, or is this the new thing? And apparently, it's the new thing. I had no idea that this that snow was the new form that our food could take when it should otherwise be in different forms. It reminds me of one of the worst things I've eaten in my life, which is when I went over to my friend's house and he served us a grilled romaine with a, a frozen vinaigrette dressing, like. <laughs> Like shavings of Chunky? frozen vinaigrette. It oh, was ugh. terrifying. So like a shave ice of vinaigrette. Yes, over grilled romaine lettuce. Shouldn't it no. melted? Did it melt? It had to melt, right? Or it, was the it, it was the melted. grilled and then frozen? It it was grilled hot. So it was like here are the vinaigrette Ice, ice, here's, here's your warm <laughs> leaves and the iced vinaigrette. Yeah, and 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 he he was so well intentioned about it, and I was like, it was really sweet, but memorable in a way that was like bad. Yeah, that fucking <laughs> sounds like it. Um, I uh, when I cook for people, make very very simple things that don't involve madness. I don't know, like <laughs> I, like a chicken parmesan. I'm, Who don't love that? Pretty much, yeah. Like we had uh, so. If if let, let's all go back, shall we, to February March of 2020? Um, mm-hmm. People are slightly oh, pre, joking. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bad time. <laughs> a, a little yeah. a little virus out of the Asian continent is about to turn our world upside down. Um, so actually, I was supposed to go out with some friends for a meal for one of their birthdays, but you know this coronavirus thing. Apparently, it's cropped up in D.C. and maybe we don't feel comfortable. Going to a restaurant. I don't know. Who wants to take the risk? Um, so what we did was we came to my house for a giant dinner. And I don't I think the reason we came to my house was because like I was the one with the child and couldn't like go and traipse around or whatever. Like um, and so we came here and so I had to cook the primary meal and everyone else brought like sides and desserts and stuff. Um and yeah, I just made like my grandmother's red sauce. I I made uh, my grandmother's meatballs, and I grilled up some hot Italian sausage, and then I like boiled some pasta, right? And yeah, then I just baby. tossed all that stuff together, and you could eat what you wanted, and it was great, and everyone loved it, and no one had any complaints, and everyone ate seconds, and I didn't have to worry about someone later on on a podcast making fun of my frozen vinegar <laughs> dressing. <laughs> it's true, and like I'm also the kind of person that will also try to do the fancy things when people come over and it's like 50 50. So I, yeah. I agree with it's, you that, you know, sometimes it's just go simple. It's, it's tough to pull something off under stress, under pressure to then serve it to other people. Like, you know, I've, I've done my fair share of uh, spending time in a kitchen, which I never want to do again. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes 
the staples are a staple because they're easy to execute and easy to kind of pull off. Um, I've kind of become and easy to obsessed. please other people. Sure. Uh, I've become obsessed with my sous vide, uh, my mm. little Anova, and I use the hell out of that thing. Pretty much every weekend I'm cooking some kind of meat out of it. And the reason I like it so much is because it's damn near foolproof. You just choose what kind of cooked you know, meat you want, and then you just choose what kind of doneness you want. And then three hours later, no matter pretty much whatever the fuck it is, it's pretty much ready to go. Um, so, you know, there's, there's something to be said about certain staple foods and certain things like that, which is why I always laugh when people are like, Oh, you know, this fast food restaurant has the best burger or this fast food restaurant. And I'm like, you can go to any Chili's and dominate that fast food restaurant burger real Mm. quick. Like, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we celebrating a a burger that can be cooked in five minutes versus like, what, like, do you just want food in your belly? I have a protein bar for you. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like in that sense, like when you look at, exquisite food or well-made food is like the antithesis of capitalism right because Mm -hmm. with capitalism you work a lot and then you're too tired and then you Mm -hmm. eat fast food so you just get shitty delicious fast food and you know then you know fast food has like ruined the the planet with its agriculture and fertilizers and Mm-hmm. Too many cows farting, and then <laughs> you wake up, and then you go to work again. So, yeah, so like really well made food that you have time for, and that nourishes us. Like that is sort of like the antithesis of See, like. To, that's interesting because to me, that is the like the apogee of capitalism. Mm. Is because we live in a society with all this like bourgeois free time. We're able to to make a fucking chocolate cake that looks. Who's like the we? Who are you talking who's about? Who's the exactly. we? Who are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about Robin, because who's going to the goddamn restaurant with a Michelin Robin. star. You know, I'm talking. Yeah, about- but I also work at like a prestigious university that serves like mostly upper class people. Like, you I'm not the, the person name. that's. No, I shan't. Uh, I I well, I'm not the person that's picking no, the not food. Tufts. I'm not the person that's delivering the food. Like the, the, we is very subjective here. Right. But I guess like you're you're saying it's like the, the antithesis of capitalism, but like, you know, I'm not positive that in communist Russia, people were eating, you know, glazed. No, but I'm I'm talking about like, okay. So before (laughs) the industrial age or whatever, like if you did have like indigenous peoples or free time, you could like take care with like getting good ingredients. You could have like grow them. You could like go fishing and like it would be relatively delicious. Like the soil right now means that we actually have less nutritious vegetables because we've mm-hmm. like stripped it of like all of the nourishing minerals that it used we make to all have. these like monocultural crops. Exactly. And that ruins the ecological environment. Exactly. So we're actually having less delicious or nutritious food because of industrialization and big agriculture. So what I'm saying is that people who work until a certain time, not white collar work, and then stop 
and then make a meal for themselves that has like care, like you actually like have the patience and the energy to make it into something delicious with like ingredients that are nutritious and, you know, good for you. Um, yeah, that to me is the antithesis of capitalism. So when you get to this like super high end of dining, like the Michelin stars, like the tiny course meals, I mean, it is decadence. But then I was also thinking that like, it reminds me a bit of mandalas too, where like these monks sit and they have these like elaborate sand paintings. And then at the end of the day, they wipe it off and that's it. Like the beauty is in that it's ephemeral. So, so that's in- where you kind of... Yeah, no, yeah. That, I see what you're saying. Though what's interesting about this movie is that it posits that like if, if he's the monk who's making the mandala, then someone else comes in and their enjoyment of the mandala is only destroying it. And at a certain point, that makes you snap. But are they enjoying it? I think that's, that's what, what he... Right. And and I think that... Uh, but like that's... I think that's part of the problem for him is that like they should be, they ought to be, but they're not. Like they are... They are yeah. just, they're, they're there for the cultural capital. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's about us. Yeah. It's about the us and them, the stratification. Mm-hmm. Like we get to have these privileges and somebody else doesn't. And like I, cool. I honestly have... Oops. I honestly I, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that being a luxury travel journalist and a high-end restaurant journalist, like, I can't really live with myself in some respects because we have, like, 40,000 unhoused people in Los Angeles. And it's just, like, this weird circle, circus of, like, morality, right? Where, like, Mm -hmm. why do some people in society get paid to eat lobster around town and somebody else, like, can't even get like a good meal and like a warm bed right Mm -hmm. so it's just like this i mean this is what the the film is kind of trying to speak to it's like you know kind of hearkening off like parasite where like the extremes are so extreme it's like laughable right Mm -hmm. yeah and that's and that's kind of why i was i was stuck on the idea of like it being the antithesis of capitalism because to me it's like Mm-hmm. It, it's the it is like the pure decadence of capitalism like you know it's mm-hmm. I, like you know i i watched it, it uh, is and it isn't though because like you can see somebody's nonna who like cooks a 18 hour like ragu sauce and that's made with love and ingredients that are accessible to them but it's still like yeah done with uh, care it's true and i think that but i think there's a difference between it's done with care and it's a it's a tower of crostinis held together by a caramelized ostrich egg you know like there's like mm. like when my grandmother ma- fixed me a plate it was a it was a heap <laughs> it, was, mm. it was and it was the best heap i'd ever had but like you know the potatoes were just like s- slapped into the plate and the the chicken cutlets were in a pile and you just reached with your bare hand and grabbed one you know like mm-hmm. Oh yes, my God, I'm but so at hungry. the same time, I, <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't yeah, been same. able to, nor has anyone else in my family been able to uh, recreate Achieve. the perfection yeah. of my grandmother's yes. chicken cutlets. Even yes. though mm. we we fought special over, grandma love, yes, yeah, and we fought over the knife that she used to use to cut Aww. them when she passed. It was like, this is the night, but it was, and you know, it was kind of funny because like, this is what she used for the chicken cutlets. It's like, well, I love those cutlets more. Mm. And my sister's like, well, I have more people to feed. And I was like, look, Mm. it doesn't matter. We're never going to make them as good. Yeah. (laughs) Also, the knife was Mm -hmm. dull as fuck. How did she ever cut chicken? (laughs) 
She had the magical power of love. Yes, the Stregonona power. Uh, my, I, I kind of feel the same way. My father. Oh, we lost Robin again. <laughs> my father. Um, Let's father. Um, like we were talking back. about, you know, saying is, I'm back. Um, yep. Sorry, your father did what? Out, but so, so in in my mind. You know, we talked earlier how I said, like, I've, I've passed my parents in culinary skill and interest. And that's mm-hmm. true. But in my mind, I'm like, nothing and no one will ever surpa- surpass my father's meatballs. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that if I compared my husband's meatballs to my father's, that sounds weird. Um, my husband's would probably <laughs> be better because he makes them with milk and Parmesan cheese and all these like delicious, you know, umami, creamy things. But the memory of you know my dad cutting up these like <coughs> chunky onions and the breadcrumbs and the and never measuring anything like those are really special. No, yeah. And the- also, I don't know how you do your meatballs, Brian, but I personally believe that an all beef meatball is the way to go. Oh yeah, all beef, baby. All beef. It's yeah, uh, so my meatballs are it's it's beef, eggs, obviously, um, <laughs> grated parmesan, um. And then uh, just like warm. Wait, water. wait, 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 wait. So, so now, now, now we, now we got cheese involved. What's going on? What, what, what's bit. this all beef? That's Italian, right? That's Italian. No, 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 no. It's, it's not beef, beef as opposed pork, to veal. Yeah, not yeah. a pork. Oh, do, yeah, okay. no, no, no. Okay. It's, it's, it'll do the mixed mint. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Correct. No, I. It's just beef, but then also like the egg is the binder. The breadcrumbs are in there for the texture and more binding. Um, and then you got to put a little bit of cheese and then a little bit of, uh, I can't remember if it's basil. No, it's not basil. It's gotta be oregano. And then you just, we do onions. Oh, you put some onions in there. Oh, Mm -hmm. oh, I some garlic and put them in there. Yeah. Not onions though. I could do that. No, I don't think I'd like They're good. I promise they're good, but do your, do you babe? Yeah. But then, you know, you, you, you warm water to get it to the right consistency. And then I do a, like a. It's not like a par bake. It's like a par fry. Like I basically mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. kiss the uh, the outside of it in some hot <laughs> a oil. Sear. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a, a fry just mm-hmm. to give it some some like structure. Like and then I just plop yeah. it in the mm-hmm. sauce and let it cook for literally as long as I can. Like mm-hmm. I'll I'll make all of this at like eight in the morning and we'll eat at like six or seven. That at sounds night. really good. It's so good. That's because the then the flavors come daddy. together because yeah. it's like mm-hmm. chilled out a bit and Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joy is one of the people that the day before, introduced me to food. Let oh, it cook all day. Yeah. I'll, I'll make it the day before. I'll cook it all day. I'll put it in the fridge, and then in the morning, I'll take it out, put it on a low heat to heat back up when it's time to eat. Yeah, nice. man. Wow. I just, yeah. God, As Robin was saying, guys. when I met when I met Robin, she didn't know how to cook. Oh, oh. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about food. Uh, so, like, I remember Joy coming over. Together. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah so I've, I've definitely learned a lot from from her. Um, and now I'm, you know, a genius. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so let's. So I want to go back to the movie a little bit because we talked. We talked some about the various twists, and there's a connection to be made in the movie between the service work of the food industry and of you know bringing pleasure to people that way, mm. and the service work of sex work, and yes. the the power and the pleasure of that kind of thing. And so we find out that. Anya Taylor Joy is so she's Nicholas Holt's companion, and you kind of assume their boyfriend and girlfriend may be a new relationship um, mm-hmm. because there's there's still a bit of an awkwardness between them, but like mm-hmm. not, but they seem kind of familiar. And then mm-hmm. you later find out that, and, but then he starts saying these really weird things throughout the movie, like you're the coolest girl here, like 
almost mm-hmm. like trophyifying her or, or I, yeah I, I honestly thought that like she was a girl that he knew from like high school or something and now mm-hmm. that he was rich she was like exactly that's yeah that's like a great uh assumption because i think that that totally fits with how he is trying to use power yeah. over her um mm-hmm. and then you find out that he hired her to be a sex uh, hired her to be his date essentially like a guy a he hired her to I, I, die with him right, yeah I, I, I did think is that he knew yeah he knew. Yeah, yeah that that that, that was the, that was the good twist. That was that was the one moment where I was like, "Oh, that would have been nice if they had introduced that maybe a little bit earlier instead of uh, being kind of yeah, really towards the end." Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that twist that, you know, Ray finds basically you know, says it out loud that he was in correspondence with, um, you know, Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler, <laughs> who who couldn't get into this restaurant, right? Had had at least enough money to make it work, but couldn't get a reservation. And so, you know, people were just constantly bumping him off the list and, you know, was basically like corresponding with with Julian and ended up getting this invite. And of course, his date broke up with him. And so he had to find a replacement because this is an ex- it's so exclusive you can't do solo you have to come with somebody so he had to find a last minute replacement even though he knew that they were going to die which is nuts just yeah it's it's such a it's such a great little yeah. small twist like th- the stakes are only between him and her Right, like the, it doesn't really affect anybody else. Well, I mean, but if it kind of affects everyone, because now they're all like, "You could have warned us, you stupid son of a." Oh man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He's such an asshole. What a fucking yeah. dick. More so to her because he literally did hire her, knowing that she was gonna die. Correct. But, like, and still, everybody else was already every faded. other person. <laughs> sure. What yeah, but like a, at yeah. the same time, it shows the callousness of this like status-seeking world, right? Oh yeah. As long as I get mine, let the rest of the world burn. It does and make that's me kind of exactly because it does end up, which is burning. really what this what the food world kind of becomes about. Like it's that hedonism. It's that we're going to watch the world burn, you know, through climate change. But hey, at least I get my my milk snow. I mean. Hmm. Oh, I milk snow. <laughs> I mean, I, whatever um, it is. <laughs> what was I? I was going to say something that was similar in in tone to that. Also, like you know, this movie is is very much in, almost in line with the bear in terms of like the kind of cult of personality that springs up in the food world or in the art, oh, art the world. Oh, the military like. Oh, I was going to go even beyond that. Where it's just like, oh my god, like to to be this person, like oh, like I I I love this man, like I need him to like me because. Hmm. Like the military precision is there too. Yeah, that's really nuts. And a lot of this it's more like a cult like figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it is like that that Masonic. I mean, like he convinced all these fucking people to murder for him and for them and for their art, you know? It's, and then it turns out he's a cuck all along. Yes? No? Because is he it? got divorced. No, because his whole because what he's missing from his whole career ambition or what he what he's been missing is just pleasing other people like that wouldn't being, make him a cuck that would make he he'd mm, have to be like a cuck you know 
No, I think you're you're what's the opposite of a pillow princess? <laughs> what is the opposite of a pillow princess? I don't know. I'm gonna Google it. No. What is the opposite? I'm getting ready to pull a up stone prince? No, of a <laughs> pillow princess. Basically, he acts like a, a dom the whole movie. Oh and God. then it just turns out he wants to be a sub the whole Bill. time. According to Reddit, <laughs> stone is usually the term. Stone butch, stone top, stone femme, etc. Mm. There we go. Stone. Wow. Yeah. Bill a, knows things. A person who, who <laughs> works hard to please the and is doing the stuff. Yeah. How about that? No, I kind of, well, okay. That comment that. was posted 20 seconds ago. <laughs> Bill just was like, <laughs> I got to get this up there. So, okay. So I think that's another interesting uh like analogy but i think the way i read it was like here's a guy that has just been you know leading a group of people toward their doom and he has the power and there's even a, a scene where he takes accountability or responsibility for being like a sexual harasser which was interesting and but it turns out that all he really wants to do is just like please the customer like he just wants to be he just wants to be in the power of someone else, which is his audience. Yeah. Like my hamburger. I mean, that's please. that's that's like why I think that's why a lot of people get into into forms of expression and art. You know, like there's something people pleasing. Being, yeah. Well, it, I don't even know if I would go people pleasing, but like a desire to please impress people. other people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like that's how I learned to cook because I would cook something and people would say, mm, yummy. So you get off on the uh, on the praise. God, you just, we all do. I mean, I'm all me. sexual exactly. for you, isn't it, Robin? What? You Aww. just get off on the praise. Food is always sexual. Food is always sexual. Food is always about life and death. I am very just. Food is the new sex. Food is the new art. Oh no, Robin! Surgery is the new sex. All right. Oh yeah, that's right. That's Sorry, Timlin told us. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Timlin. God oh, damn God. you, Timlin. Team Caprice. Okay. Team Timlin. <laughs> if I had, yeah, pain. if I was like, if I was at a, a bar and I saw a Timlin and a Caprice, I would go Timlin. Oh, I would definitely be a Caprice. Because, you know, it'd be awkward as fuck and you'd be worried she's going to kill you in your sleep. But, you know, it'd be fun. <laughs> that was a movie that did not have really any attractive men to me. We're talking about Crimes of the Future, everybody. It's, it's where Viggo Mortensen dresses as a witch for the entire movie. I feel like <laughs> witches are Vich. furious to hear that you think that that's what they look like. Sorry, witches. Witch talk is going to lose its goddamn mind. <laughs> witch talk. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, you the algorithm takes you to a lot of places yeah i for a while i was stuck on by pirate tiktok which wasn't terrible but it didn't feel like i belonged there <sighs> these islands you visit on tiktok mm -hmm. i don't know luckily is yeah. it any weirder than the island in this movie though oh hawthorne it's definitely what did they say where it is it's in the Pacific Northwest, I think, like oh, okay. an island off of Seattle or something. It reminded me a lot of I watched a, a an episode of Chef's Table. Um, I can't remember who it was about, but it was a guy who did like Southern style cooking, but with like, you know, a modern edge. Um, and he talked a lot about like going to islands in North Carolina to like find heritage rice and like pigs of a certain variety. Mm, Jesus. 
I mean, you know, it was no, it, cool. The, but... the, they're right, though. Like, yeah. the American yeah. chef tastes better. Oh, my God. Like yeah. yeah. 100%. And, and, I'll tell you what. Uh, tasty fat. But are they doing can, this while acknowledging, like, the the Black foodways and the African foodways that have made those things possible? Like, I really hate Are you trying like, to make me remember this entire episode of... I I want <laughs> to say, yeah, that the dude was very I hope so. I'm just that. saying, like, it, it ends up being it ends up sort of reifying colonialism a lot of the time when, mm. when folks do that, when they say, Oh, we're going to go back to, you know, the very beginning without sort of acknowledging, you know, who developed those food ways to, to begin with. I, um, I would yeah, say yeah. that chefs at this level almost always have a very firm hold on the, the full sweep of history behind their food. It is, I hope so. It just me off. Because like this elevated Southern food thing or this elevated comfort food is like somebody saying, oh, I've reinvented the wheel. Like, oh, I've I, I'm going to take this food that is for the poors, but make it for the rich. Well, OK, and- but I, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to try to throw you under like uh, the uh, the bad ally bus or something, but it's it's bad to equate class with color. So it has nothing to do with color. Uh, Wait, what are you talking about? Well, you had color? said like black foodways and things like that. And if this like, you know, a lot of food is tied to class in that way. So like I, mean, this- I don't disagree with you, but what I'm yeah. saying is like historically in the US, the uh, people who were developing southern food were poor and black. And they had to take food that was um Hand-me-downs. Yeah, yeah, hand, yeah essentially hand-me-down food and turn it into something beautiful, and which is what, what they did, essentially. They, you know, being, uh, you know, mostly black women. Um, and then I do some, I, when I look at, you know, chefs who are often white saying, like, I am going to recreate this, but, like, better, you know, it, it's, it just rubs me the wrong way. Well, uh, and I mean, that is that is something that, you know, I I think our guest was also kind of talking about a little bit. And, you know, the the way that you take a tough cut of meat is you cook it for a long period of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, there is a certain amount of love being put into that, but it's also a certain amount of okay, but this thing is literally horseshoe leather and I got to turn it into something edible, you know, by nighttime. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a certain level of just practicality to what they're actually doing. It's, it's not just pure love. A lot of it is just, okay, but this is a really shitty, tough cut of meat. And if we cook it for like an hour, it's still going to taste like dog shit. Right, it's all the, how, like, the, all the cowboy stuff that, like, you know, they got paid in the shitty parts of the cow that no one would want, and so they had to figure out, you know, smoking it for it 17 for a hours. Long time. <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it's also funny because nowadays, like, I, I found out recently I tried to make some homemade brisket, and apparently all the proper cuts of brisket that you would want are not usually sold out of a restaurant there or out of, out of like your grocer. You can't get it at the grocer on butcher. Yeah. Special order. Yeah. Yeah. And and because the restaurants all claim the the correct cuts of meat. Mm -hmm. And so then, then they trim it themselves and you're, you're left with all these like really lean cuts of brisket 
mm-hmm. which which just doesn't cook well and ends up being very chewy and ends up being very tough and dry. And you're like, wait, but like, why can't? <laughs> so basically, I'm screwed because I want to make homemade brisket instead of, you know, go buy it at a restaurant that is going to smoke it for 17 hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you see that a lot where, you know, like skirt steak, right? That's mm-hmm. that's fajita steak uh, mm-hmm. for for fajitas, tacos, all sorts of different Mexican cuisine. And mm-hmm. You know, that's actually now a little bit more expensive than it used to be. It used to be super cheap. You could basically just get it handed to you. And now it's like. Yeah, same with oxtail. Like you can't can't get oxtail anymore. It's costing an arm and a leg. I am at the farmer's market where I sell my whiskey. I'm next to the, the lady who sells the proteins. And it is awesome listening to her talk to literally every single person who comes up. Like, and this is a wide swath of humanity and like, no matter what they cut, they want, no matter what they are looking for, she probably has it first of all, which is awesome. And she also knows like 28 really great ways to cook it. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's actually funny cause you know, you go to a farmer's market and you're not expecting it to be like ruthless efficiency, but she will legitimately hold her line up for 15 minutes to talk to someone about like different kinds of preparations of oxtail and let and yet everyone's totally cool with it no one's ever like wow that took forever they they will passively <laughs> totally on board wait in line until she has concluded her previous business and then they will come up and then they will talk to her for 15 minutes about what they're going to do with the uh the pig's feet they get it's uh it's awesome it's great i'm gonna miss it the farmers well, I, I, the season. I, I mean, definitely. If if I'm going to cook something for five hours, I want to talk with someone that knows how to cook it yeah, and right. like that and like woman. come come away with like, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to go do because if if I cook this thing for five hours and it tastes like shit, I'm going to be really mad. Yeah, you know? and that and and she, Lori Waltz at Waltz Farms, she's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's kind of fucked up to say, but it's true. Like she knew those cows like she Mm -hmm. raised those damn cows oh my god it's portlandia this cow was named (laughs) billy bob i don't think she names them um that would be (laughs) funny though i have to ask her about that laura do you name your cows (laughs) also does she serve them they name their pig something like bacon they're like Mm. you're looking good bacon oh man i actually met the i met the little iberica piggies that make that exquisite iberica belota because they're raised on like all acorns and like Mm -hmm. basically and they were so cute they were like so happy to see us because we're getting food and i'm like yeah i'm gonna eat you Mm-hmm. That's like a. I saw a TikTok. I'm sorry, I'm talking about TikTok again. And it was a guy who's like, "Hey, like, welcome to my channel. I'm going to show you how to make chicken nuggets. First, we pick out a chicken, and he like picks up a baby. Chick, oh shit! <laughs> and he's like, and then we have to raise it for 55 days. And he shows like a montage of like raising this chick into like a full grown chicken. And I, <laughs> wait, it takes 55 days to get a full grown chicken i mean for at least or at least for this guy i don't know i don't know generally oh. how long it takes but i, I mean say, if you raise your baby for five days it would be like still a 
really dumb baby. Oh, were you saying that was fast or that that was slow? No, it's very, it's quick. Like oh, you go yeah, from I a mean, chick to a chicken and fucking animals, days. man, grow super quick. We're very strange yes, being so like helpless for so long. And it's because mm-hmm. of our yes. stupid break, big brains. Um, all and of my the, stupid we, small pelvis. Also true. Um, we constantly talk about how small Robin's pelvis is. It's a running <laughs> joke. Um, what I was going to say, uh, because Joy, you'd brought up like heritage grains and, and breeds and mm. stuff taste better. I, when crafting my whiskey, uh, Inkwell whiskey, um, when I was making it, I went and I found a farm that grows bl- bloody butcher red corn, which is a mm-hmm. heritage breed corn. It's not your typical, like, mm-hmm. what was the monoculture yellow or white mm-hmm. corn? GMO, everything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it is non-GMO, as is the soft red winter wheat that I use to cut the mash and smooth it out a little bit. Um, <laughs> this has become a commercial for my wife. Hey. But I mean, hey. it's great. Go with it. What was it? Yeah, if you want. Are you are you in? You're never. Are you ever in the DC area? Occasionally. All right. Well, yeah. If you come by, I'll hook you up with a bottle. Um. So anyway, uh, what was I going to say? People ask like. This is like incredibly smooth and like if it's just like a little more like what is the difference? And I was like, I on it's it's honestly the corn. Like it's not the like homogeneously grown, like piquantly sweet, overly sugary. You know, there's a little more like I don't think you would I think if you were to take a bite of bloody butcher red corn, you might not like it as much. But like incorporate it into these other dishes where you're not just eating it raw, like, yeah, it's great. It's fucking wonderful. Of course, now that I've said that, I think I might need to go to that farm and just be like, Can I boil one of these? Let me taste this. Is is this delicious? If I just put some butter on this. Is it good? <laughs> Can I pop it? What's also funny is that people will be like, "Why is it called Bloody Butcher Red Corn?" And then like I have a a, a, cur- a cob of it, and I like hold mm-hmm. it up, and I'm like, "As you can see, it is in fact red. Like this is not <laughs> this is not an ironic nickname. It's not something related to its history. It's someone looked at it and was like, "Hey, that corn is red. Butchers mm-hmm. get red." <laughs> Because of the blood, bloody butcher red corn, boom. Oh, so, w- w- this movie, what did we think about? Right what did we think about the food served on the plates in in the film? It was um, interesting. Oh, oh, okay. I, I, I thought this was so oh. funny that, like, so obviously it's turning into the sort of like very tense situation, but like every course. I'm like staring at the screen being like, oh yeah, like that would go well together. Like there was still like that fixation about is this going to be delicious food or not, which I thought that was, was a funny aspect of the movie. I felt mm-hmm. um, incredibly pedestrian because like the amuse-bouche, the like the foamy oyster or whatever, I'm mm-hmm. like, ugh, gross, ugh, scallops, ugh. And then they get to like the chicken thigh taco and I'm like, here we go. That's where I'm at. Let's do this thing. <laughs> I loved the tortillas. Print my dark secrets oh, on those tortillas. Yeah, the shame tortillas were great. I, I love my- I love her her uh Hong Chow's like, what what are these? Tortillas. He says it with like that accent. And and the guy's like, Yeah, but what what the fuck is this? She's like, Tortillas. (laughs) My favorite. We lost Robin again. (laughs) Everybody wait. We know she's coming back. My internet's a cunt. Just like Nicholas Holt. (laughs) Just like Nicholas Um, Holt. So my favorite scene is when. 
Anya Taylor-Joy, who's been basically like avoiding this food because she realizes this is like the emperor has no clothes um, when she decides not to eat one of her bites. And Nicholas Holt is like, well, fucking give it to me. And he like goes mm-hmm. to grab her plate, sure. which is like it's so it, yeah. fucking gauche, like yeah, gross. And then yeah. he knocks over uh, the wine glass yeah. and humiliates himself. And in, the, and in a microcosmic way of humiliating yourself, but it's like, it, it's a bad moment for him. Um, and that, that is sort of foreshadows what happens to him later, which was oh, yeah. also great. Well, it also, it foreshadows the fact that like, he's treating this like a last meal. Like yes. he knows what's up. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. Got, he's like, what did, what did they have when they ran out? You know, when he's like, you guys run. And he's like, what was the course you guys got to eat? Because he knew it was his last supper, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, That's I, also I, why he, he didn't want to run because he's like, I know where this is going. <laughs> is there food? Can yeah, I... I'm gonna die. So no, no worries. After the meal's finished, I also think one <laughs> of the reasons I hate Nicholas Holt's character is because I do recognize a bit of myself in it, which is not, mm. it, which is somewhat of the obsessive nature, but also very much of the fear of missing out nature. Um, and mm-hmm. want and and I'm all about like I have to have this experience and I have to plan this out and I need to know every single thing that's going to happen and archive it in my mind. Um, so as much as I hate him, uh, it's also because it feels very familiar to me. Well, but I, I would say that Julian is a fan of Tyler. Right. He wants that kind of obsessive person to eat his meals. Right. So I don't think you're insulting the chef by being like into the food. I think that's exactly what he kind of wants. He's he's putting a lot of time, effort, energy, curating, you know, all of these foods and all of these different things, making sure all his chefs are, are cooking it to his specifications and stuff like that. And so he wants people to be obsessed with his own creations, right? He doesn't want people to just eat it and then go, cool, what's next? But right? I think, he but wants, I think he, he's so self hating and what he has become that anybody who is obsessed with him he can't help but reject any club it, that's gonna have me i would never want to join is no, that I, I think it goes beyond that because he at some point says of of t- t- tyler taylor t- tyler, tyler tyler at some point he says of tyler like you know your particular brand of obsessiveness has like demystified our art um, and I think it's it is it is the it is like the what's the is it the Dunning Kruger effect where it's like you don't know a lot but you know enough to think you know everything. I thought that was Someone the thing where that. you grow up with somebody and you're so close with them that you can never fall in love with them because you've there's that proximity connection. Okay. Is that what Dunning no, Dunning Kruger effect occurs when a person's lack of knowledge and skills in a certain area cause them to overestimate their own competency. Mm. Ah, so they think they know more than they actually do. So he's, yes. It's like a very know, vocal wait, dilettante. He let's not lose this. What what Robin just described was incredible, and I'd love to know what that is. <laughs> I know, I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> that sounds like, I don't know, most of my relationships. Um, Jesus. So if we could ever figure out Swipe what that right, is. Brian. No, there's like a psychological effect, I think, that has to do with probably like an evolutionary reason, like the reason you don't fall in love with your sibling um, it's because there's too much familiarity. So people who you haven't been watching Game of Thrones, apparently. So well, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but most 
adult relationships that are incestuous usually begin after the people have not grown up together. So yes. it's like you meet and, your father mm-hmm. later in life or you meet your siblings later in life. And, and there's that the ineffable familiarity that you are drawn to. But yeah. if you actually grew up with that person, you're, you're less likely to uh, d- develop romantic or sexual feelings. So the whole thing with like Corey and Topanga is actually not realistic. Like most people do not fall in love with their best friend from childhood. Um, maybe your childhood sweetheart from high school, but not, not from like an early, you know, elementary that's like school. The exact opposite of like all French movies. Like the true love is always the one you meet as a child. And it's a, that's the same thing. That's as a fantasy. In dramas. It's, it's no, a fantasy. Really? It's not realistic. Like it, there's welcome like, to the movies, baby. Evolutionary reason why you don't, why that doesn't happen. That you, why you don't. Are you telling me that love store. me if you dare lied to me? Oh, don't spoil me. It's been Wait. on my list forever. Is it really? I am yeah. shocked. I am shocked that love me if you dare. I is a reference that I made that other people <laughs> were able to get. It's That's... been on my list for a long time. Why? I mean, it's it's so weird because I'm the one who brought this up and I'm so fucking shocked <laughs> that you were like, oh, it's on my list. Wait, did you see a trailer of this for like a focus feature movie on a DVD? I have no recollection of how it ended up on my list. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, Marion Cotillard is in this movie. Um. Okay, so so back, back to the menu. Um, no, we're talking about Love Me If You Dare now. What, I'm, what I'm gonna look about? up what this we psychological about, effect is, but okay. like, like whether whether Tyler is yes. like oh. actually appreciated by Julian, and Correct. I, I, yeah. I uh, so Brian, I think you're you're kind of right. You're kind of touching on something though, which is kind of like a lot of directors right now probably are feeling a little a little unamused by how many Q and a podcasts and how many deep dive podcasts there are about like making art where it's just like, ah, Jesus, like people, people know what kind of crane I'm using. Like what the fuck? Why would you want to know what kind of crane I'm using? Oh, what's your fucking aspect ratio? Yeah. So (laughs) I, I would love, I'm going to say this. I feel like the best way that I could explain this to most people is that like, this this movie chef is Christopher Nolan and mm-hmm. and Tyler is a Nolan bro and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan mm-hmm. is like I fucking hate you and I'm going to kill you but only after I humiliate <laughs> you because you have watched so many of my movies and listened to every interview and all my behind the scenes stuff and you think you know but there is still an ineffable element and you don't get it and first I'm going to prove that to you and then I'm going to destroy you and everyone you love Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's I, that's how I felt watching this. I think that mm-hmm. Tyler is is definitely based off of that type of of art fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. the 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 thing that has to take something apart and ends up destroying the thing they love, like Elmira from you know Looney Tunes. Wow. Okay. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. <at all. laughs> I'm just gonna squeeze you to death. I'm just thinking about how he wants to be associated with the talent and the discipline without having an iota of that discipline himself. And, you know, it's kind of like yeah. the sports yes. fans, too. They're like, yeah, or like those men that said that they could like fight a bear or something. You're like, you, you couldn't fight a bear or you couldn't win tennis against Serena 
I could do that if I wanted to. Look, yeah, the the, the the people I could 100% fight a lion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the people that see a field goal kicker miss a field goal and go, well, it, it's so fucking easy. Like I could do that, and it's yeah, just like triple sow cow, dude. Easy, dude, yeah. like and they have none you of the can't kick a field goal. Tears or natural talent or mm-hmm. yeah, the sacrifice that it takes to get to that level of mm-hmm. performance. That scene where he does have to cook for them was absolutely hilarious, oh, though. Mortifying, like, yeah. Oh my yeah, god, it was like, very mortifying. With undercooked lamb. <laughs> the, yes. I, okay, we haven't yeah. talked about this aspect. Which the is Tyler. They, they do the, the, that the was dishes. sexual. That was like an absolutely like what? That that was like a, Robin, a kinky thing. Robin, can I ask it you something? What? Are you and your partner having sex? This is, it really feels like you're really turning everything to sex. No, food is sex. Food is telling you. They're interlinked. They're interlinked. They are absolutely interlinked. And Uh, that was a scene where where there was just like a kink play going on here. You all said the term interlinked too much. And now I feel like I'm a replicant in Blade Runner 2049 getting a baseline check. Um, Um, I also want to circle back for a second and say the thing that I was thinking of is called the Westermark effect. The Westermark. Reverse sexual. Westermark, uh, M-R-M-A-R-C-K. I got it's it. also known as reverse sexual imprinting. It is a psychological hypothesis that people tend not to be attracted to peers with whom they lived like siblings before age six. Oh, before age six. Okay. So maybe well, I was uh, expressing is... that a little more broadly, but strongly yeah. Yeah, mm. but I see those I, French it, movies are correct. Yeah, as, as long as the kids meet, as long as the kids meet after age six. six. So if Sophie That's and like Julien everybody. meet at seven, then then love me if you dare counts. Okay. Totally real. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, it was something about sex and people and imprinting, and I can't remember. Oh, Robin, I read an article that was like one of those like exo Jane, like it happened to me or like this is my, and it was like, I fucked my dad. Um, (laughs) And it was like. I've read a lot of those, honestly. Yeah. It's, and it's very disturbing because it is like, all I know is that like he, like he walked out or mom took me away from him and like, we never knew why. And then we met and he was married and like, but we were talking and then like one day it happened and oh my God, it was so wonderful. And now we're like advocating for incest laws as long as there's no chance of breeding. And I'm like, oh, God damn. Fuck, this is awful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you for reminding me of the time I read one of those. Just just, just only, only one person out there that will ever make you happy, right? And it just happens to be your dad. That's, that's <laughs> Just well, one okay. person. If you one did person can't dragon. Yeah, can't can't <laughs> can't possibly yeah, like your uncle. you know your hot, yeah. hot uncle. First of all, Matt Smith's got a weird face. Second of all, yeah, but a lot of women find uncle him attractive. Damon. So I've I've <laughs> given up on that. I've given I, up I on that. I the head off. A lot of women were like, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> I I do find him attractive. That's insane. He looks better with the long hair. No, he does. It's very Legolas. Uh, he's not pretty or attractive. I'm not one of those guys who like. I don't understand what women. Mean I don't like pretty men. Hot. 
but he but he's not even yeah, like that's true yeah robin like, robin saying that he's hot is is an instant disqualification in but robin book. you usually like like desiccated scarecrow men and he's <laughs> like he's He's not exactly he's built. Not a, but he's not a yeah. desiccated scarecrow, man. He's got a face oh. like one of those bricks from Mario that stomps on Did you. Did you see Doctor Who, though? Because he's no. like... He's really yeah. good in it. Yeah, he's very good in it, and he's also like a desiccated scarecrow, man. I only yeah, saw one episode. No, I've seen two episodes of Doctor Who. One is that one where they're watching the end of the world, and there's the woman who's a sheet. And then, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the moisturized. Uh, yeah. That she is so charismatic. I remember her. <laughs> <laughs> that she was she very she, relevant she, to my life. She needs to get moisturized. She, yeah. she and I carpet. Moisture, and I'm trying not to age. Yeah. She <laughs> and the magic carpet from Aladdin should hang out. Um, two very charismatic <laughs> sheets. And then the other one I saw was the one about like water on Mars or something. Hmm. But I think those were completely different. Is that doctors. called The Martian? There's some like amazing Doctor Who episodes you've missed then. I, There's I, a lot of really good ones. But the Matt Smith years, I, what you're describing are the David Tennant. Uh, no. Yeah. The, no, that's the, the low the, rent. No, the, the sheet face was Chris Eccleston, Eccleston right? Who I love. Yeah, the first uh, yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of Fucking. desiccated scarecrow men. Well, must, he was man uh, no, no, you, he, he said he had an eating disorder for that season. Oh, I didn't know that. I have to imagine, oh. Robin. I have said it, though. Yeah, right, said it. You can't get through the leftovers because you just keep getting hung up on pausing on Christopher Eccleston's face. I forgot he was even in that show that I hate. He's like the best character in that show. What was he Australian? No. <laughs> oh, he was the priest. He's the priest. Oh, of course you'd say I love the fucking priest. so chris eccleston have you ever seen jude that's a great movie all right great movie you would you would really like it well i think you would like it because there's um oh my god there's so much misery i mean it's tom's hardy so you would love it hardy thomas hardy oh i was like it's it's, there's misery there's there's scholarship there's sick children You'd love oh, it. Oh, Christopher Eggleston, Kate Winslet, and Liam Cunningham. Yeah, great movie. Interesting. You love Winslet. Yeah. Oh, she's great in, in it. And you also, she's England. like, Jude she's got some orbs in that movie. <laughs> but she marries early and becomes a stonemason. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. When his wife leaves, he moves to the city where he befriends his liberal cousin, Sue. Well, I do love liberal cousins, so... Okay. Uh, <laughs> would would any of this food be satisfying to y'all? Fuck no. Because absolutely not. I, no, yeah, no. I have to what agree with no. with Margot. <laughs> I feel like I might be the most experienced. You definitely are. Dining. Yeah, one hundred percent. The thing is, is that like it is like the theater. It's like going to an opera, but it's food. And then mm-hmm. it ends up being like playful or theatrical or just like kind of playing with like subverting expectations. And I have had menus where like every single thing was delicious. I mean, yeah, like it, it just depends on where you go. But like if you haven't been to like many high end dining experiences, I think it's easier to be like, I went to one, I spent $200 and I liked two dishes, right? Because 
experience is more rare. So you're like, that's what I just did. That's what I did yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't 60 bucks a person. And I was like, and I I have to take that was good. (laughs) I don't pay for my high end dining. So like, I don't have the same experience of being like having the pain of like, I look at the bill and I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. my hard earned money. I'm like, Oh, thank you chef for hosting me at this, you know, luxurious experience. And yeah, but- I'm curious in your experience, how many of these kind of high end places are usually like a quote unquote experience where you don't get to choose anything? Everything's like, here's this menu and here's yeah. or here's Most- this plate and here's this plate, blah, blah, blah. So most high end dining for a long time was like tasting menu. Right. And then I mm-hmm. think that more lately they've been like oh wait we've got vegans you've got gluten-free people so they'll like say if you need that diet tell us in advance and Mm -hmm. they'll prepare something so it's a little bit but i did laugh a lot at the no substitutions Mm -hmm. um when he drowned the investor (laughs) because (laughs) because there's an art there was like a, a news headline about how posh spice victoria beckham came to Jelena's, which is like a shishi LA restaurant. And she didn't want salad dressing on her salad. And they were like, no substitutions. And it like made the news. But that's not a substitution. That's a subtraction. Yeah, but the, it's already done. It's been done for it, it's, it's just like it's, this is the way it tastes the best. I'm the dictator of this like it's the grilled romaine. Yes. The, the grilled romaine has already been grilled. You <laughs> can't ungrill no, how it has to there is no ungrilled romaine left. <laughs> I um I think all the time. I, I've only been to like one fancy restaurant. Um oh that's not true. I went to I went to a fairly Fancy-ish restaurant in Macon, but it wasn't like this level of fancy, you know. But it was like mm. braised chicken thighs and blah blah blah. Mm. Um, uh, but it was really good. It's fantastic. I think it's called the Rookery, or mm. it's um that might be the burger place that's underneath it. Anyway, both are incredible. So if you find a place called the Rookery upstairs or downstairs, you're not going to go wrong. It's Where great. in Macon, in Georgia? In Ma- oh, Georgia. sorry, Macon, Georgia. Georgia. Yes. Right. Um. What what was I gonna say? I went to Volt, uh, the the restaurant for uh, with Brian Brian Voltaggio, I think, uh, from Top Chef. Um, again, mm-hmm. I had a Top Chef period, and I went there, and it was great. And it was a prefix menu, but it was really good. And I had like a tuna tartare, which I was like, I don't even like tuna, but I gotta eat this because I don't want to seem like an asshole. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. It was really quite good. Um, and like you know, they served me. Uh, it was like a chocolate ganache type of thing, and it was really great. Anyway, and I, it's also where I had my first ever Sazerac, which is now my first, my favorite cocktail. Mm. So like, great all around. Mm. But whenever I think of high dining, I think of the scene in The Departed um, by Martin Scorsese, where Vera Farmiga and Matt Damon are out eating in a fancy ass restaurant, and they bring mm. out the chocolate cake, which is a tower with like shards of chocolate in it. And they both mm-hmm. kind of stare at it and then look at each other. And she's like, I don't even know how to eat this. And he's like, I'm waiting for you to do it. And she's like, no, you go first. And he says, all I know is if that thing moves, I'm going to fucking shoot it. And that's how I feel <laughs> about so much of this fancy ass shit that you see in these restaurants where it's like, I don't even know. I feel like it should come with an Ikea style instruction manual. I just well, want to pick feel up like, my sandwich and bite into it. I, I feel like that's that's definitely a theme 
that happened within the last like I, I don't I don't want to date it because I don't know enough about this. But, you know, in the last 15 to 20 years, the deconstructed kind of food idea where they're like literally at one course of this is like I think it's deconstructed bread without the bread. And it's just like yeah, it's just the sauces and, known for bread not saving you bread. Yeah. And it's like, okay, here are these sauces. And then there's the other one that looks like little, um, little, like almost Hershey kisses, but they're, uh, instead like different bright colors. And you're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, that doesn't even look like food anymore. It looks (laughs) like a, like a jelly. Like, are you serving me jelly? Jelly is food. I know jelly you know, is jelly food, is but not at this place. Food. <laughs> <laughs> jelly can you be. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like with the high end experience, it just becomes like something else, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be common. It's not something that you would do at home, which is like make yes. a fake caviar out of algae to mm-hmm, eat in mm-hmm. like one second, and but like that's that's where, uh, for, that's where the decadence comes good. into it. <laughs> But no, well, there's I, lots of very laborious whatever that actually do end up tasting really good. Like, I don't know, I had like some amazing pork neck in Iceland recently and I was just about to like fall off my chair, like orgasmic, as Robin would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Rude>. <laughs> and, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess my point is that Things can taste very good, but even when they're like really labored over, and mm-hmm. then they can just go wrong too. But like that's where the sort of scientific slash experimental stuff comes up, and that's when it becomes yeah. like over intellectualized. It's not about flavor, and that's like it's mm-hmm. just like a good arc to go back to the cheeseburger because like the thing I've noted in my notes about the movie is that a lot of times really high restaurant high end restaurants will have a secret menu that has a burger like it has a house burger oh okay yeah interesting yeah one of one of my favorite local places has a what what is that damn thing ah i've i've forgotten what it is uh oh it's a it's it's a it's a crunch wrap and so they basically took like a taco bell crunch wrap and just made it a little bit more gourmet and it's just like oh fuck like this is really fucking good and you just don't expect it to not that it's like this this place is basically a burger uh like a what is it uh a beer garden like Mm -hmm. it's it's not like a fancy fancy place but it's you know you pay eight nine bucks for this crunch wrap that normally you would pay like 250 right so um, but the crunch wrap that you ate from taco bell is like also made with sawdust shavings correct I don't right know it's I not not exactly thing. made with made no, with love it's, it's but yeah. the idea of it's incredible meat. But it never yeah, yeah, heritage up. meat. <laughs> where, where did you source your meat? And they're like, uh, a truck? I don't, I don't understand what, what you're asking. Meat? <laughs> <laughs> what meat? Yeah, I was actually like, I actually made spam today for like a kimbap uh, sandwich, and I was like, mm-hmm. what is spam? Is it just like ligaments and organ yeah. meat and fat eyeballs? Yeah, like, yeah. It's the awful that they just sort of spice up and. I think yeah. it tastes good. It, I thought spam it's, it's was like actually good stuff. Like I thought that was 
Mm-mm. I can't remember. No, no. No, no. no. It's all the left. It, it developed, I think, like either during meat. World War II. Yeah, it's a, it's a wartime it's meat a that was basic non-perishable. are primarily pork shoulder and ham. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that does That's not tell you what kind. There. Yeah, that doesn't tell you what kind. See, my, ham. My, I don't know. I mean, my, my recollection was that Spam was just like, we need to preserve this because it's like a, it's an army thing. That's and how like, it originated yeah. for sure. Wait, are you guys thinking of fucking Scrapple? Because Scrapple no, is spam, yeah, yeah, spam and Scrapple are very similar, though. Okay, but scra- I swear, like I had a friend who don't even ask me why. Uh, in fact, this is a guy who wasn't even a fucking friend. Anyway, a kid in my high school <laughs> used to <laughs> sing constantly this song, and it just went grind up a pig, put it in a can, Scrapple. <laughs> grind <a> pig. <laughs> that is basically spam. That is what spam is. It's just it's that spam. Plugmish. Okay, plugmish. spam is made in a factory. So it's spiced the, in a particular way, and it, um, you know, it, it's what's the word? It's like standardized. Like it has a particular flavor, but it's the same idea. As scrapple. Scrapple is tic- no okay. Scrapple is typically made of hog offal, such as head, heart, liver, and other trimmings, which are boiled with bones attached, often the entire head, to make a broth. Once cooked, bones and fat are removed, and the fat the meat is reserved, and dry cornmeal is boiled. You guys are talking about scrapple. Spam is no, not. No, we're thing talking about scrapple. spam, you motherfucker. We know what we're talking about. I need spam is a wartime meat in a can. I don't know if they still make it that same way, they, but essentially it's the same it. idea. They, they take all the scraps, all the leftover bits. I don't know if it's specifically the offal, but it's maybe it's just like the shavings of of a better piece of meat. And it's all sort of mashed together and processed and stuck in a can. It's not exactly the same process, but it's the same idea. All I know is that when looking up Scrapple, it's like, this shit fucking sucks. And when looking up Span, it's like, yeah, it's pork shoulder. It's delicious. It's- uh, is Scrapple bad? Because it sounds kind of good. The, the one that's literally like, made of I awful. Like <laughs> I like butter. awful. I'll awful try it. Awful. In the right circumstances. I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of pork liver because it's very fecal, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. maybe it's. <laughs> I've, had, I've had pretty good. I've had pretty good brains. I, 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 brain. Joy, I think you've got great brains. <laughs> <laughs> I've had escargot. I've never done that. That's the food of poverty. That's another poverty food that has become mm-hmm. fancified. Oh, so cricket protein. Fucking, cricket uh, protein's definitely a thing now. Yeah. I've had a cricket us. protein bar. Hmm. Yeah. But like, I think going back um, to the movie, like that food is not inherently good or bad. And spending a lot of your time and energy on making elaborate food is not necessarily good or bad either. Like we spent a lot of time doing lots of things like making little model toys or podcasting for (laughs) hours and editing and tiktok videos and like so it's not inherently bad to invest time and effort and skills in anything but i think that the judgment of the film is like but we've made it just so bougie and removed from larger society like it's about a statement about who we are like us mm-hmm. versus them, right? Because that's what he keeps saying. He's like, exclusive. Are you with us or are you with them? Are you? A yes, he are says you a that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like yeah. that's how we feel right now. When like eight people like own like half the world's wealth, it's just like, 
oh yeah, I'm just gonna get a helicopter and I'm just gonna buy like five houses when you know typhoid mm-hmm. is coming back because we don't have enough housing stock for people. I think on that note, a couple of things, uh, and then I'll be done. Um, I do want to say, I think some of the like deconstruction of the food and stuff like that, I think, I think you're exactly right. A lot of it is like, this is not something that I would feel comfortable doing in my own kitchen, right? I could cook a burger, right? But I'm not going to deconstruct food and then turn it into this, right? And I'm not going to spend this amount of time because, you know, again, my amount of effort versus the potential reward just isn't there. But if I go and spend $1,000 on a meal, I have a higher chance of eating something really unique, really rare, really different and having kind of a unique experience out of that. And I think I I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Right. Like when we go watch a movie. Right. And we go spend 12 or 15 or 18 dollars. Right. To go see a movie. The hope is that it's going to be something different. It's going to be something original. It's going to be something new. It's going to be something exciting. Right. Not so. Yeah. And so I don't think having that kind of adventurous nature with food is necessarily a bad thing. Um, my, my kind of mantra anytime I order something from a menu is usually, well, it's gotta be decent because it's still on the menu. So, you know, I'm paying money. So like the chances are high that, yeah, the chances are high that it's not going to be terrible. Right. As long as Um, you don't order something that you know is not something that you hate. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not speckle. What the fuck? Scrapple. Um, Scrapple. Scrapple. Um, Scrapple. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Uh, I need to interject now that we're back on the Scrapple thing. According to... Oh, Jesus. (laughs) According to (laughs) madehow.com... Oh, jeez, yes, reliable. raw materials of spam include chopped pork shoulder meat mixed with ham. About 90% of spam is pork from a pig's shoulder... The remaining 10% comes from the pig's buttock and thigh, better known as ham. Hmm. Are you... Is this... It is so fatty. Like I understand that, but look, the U.S. Department of Agriculture does not permit any non-meat fillers in the lunch meat, nor does it allow pig snouts, lips, or ears. I'm sure the spam ingredients have changed over time. The second and they've, ingredient they've is probably salt. gotten Yeah, they've <laughs> probably gotten a lot of feedback on that, like uh mystery meats and I mean that that's even like a thing of like Subway for a long time. Like I had a rumor that like the meat was just mystery meat and it was flavored. Um, uh, you know, I mean that whole thing with IKEA and them serving what, yeah, like horse. horse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Horses and it's just like, yeah, yeah, horse is really yeah. good. I imagine uh, well, it's I mean, like a very lean, but still like vegetarian. It's a sweet yeah. beef. Ooh, well, I mean, in, in some cultures, eating dog is is a thing, and like yeah, people in America freak the fuck out about that. And I it's just like I just okay. don't think dog is a good meat. Like I just imagine that dog would taste not fatty terrible. enough. Well, that's the thing. I, we almost it's exclusively fecal. eat prey <laughs> animals, <laughs> and my fucking dogs. Like Rosie is such a a fast twitch little maniac. I bet she's gamey as hell. 
Well, it, it's anyway. it's funny. I had now, this now I had I'm this conversation. My dogs. Which of my pets I had, would I most like to eat? Which would be the most delicious pet? I, I had this conversation the other day. We don't eat a lot of apex predators, though. Um, yeah, you know, good. like like yeah, no. like yeah, big bear, game. Like a grizzly bear. Like, a grizzly like bear big game. Yeah, yeah, big game is is completely different. Well, because like they're the, tertiary you know, consumers. So the the farther away you get from uh, animals that that eat plants. Plains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. anything that eats a plant directly is going to taste way better than something eats that eats meat. They're also easier mm-hmm. to raise because we can't subsist off of grass, but a cow can. I, I watched a thing on TikTok and it was like, you know, <laughs> it was basically like, you know, here's like 600 pounds of grass, which makes one cow. And you can eat one, like one cow can feed X amount of people. But then it was like, if you wanted to raise a tiger, to be eaten, you'd then have to feed it like 14 cows. <laughs> but those 14 it's not cows, economical. Each still, yeah, it's a fucking economic nightmare. In this economy. In this economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, I, uh, I've oh, completely also, forgotten the other point that I was going to make. So I'm going to let y'all keep keep moving on. Uh, hopefully we can wrap this up soon. soon yeah, yes. I think we're but I need to say there. this yeah. because we keep talking about low born food that has become high class. And I have to bring up Consider the Lobster. Um, oh, my God. Oh. Back to the okay. fucking postmodernists. Are you David kidding? Foster Wallace. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just J.G. Ballard. Amherst Alum. David Amherst Alum, yes. Yes. Um, that matters to us because we went to Amherst. <laughs> Amherst Alum. Victim of suicide. Like us. Um, like us. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? So in Consider the Lobster... David Foster Wallace lays out the history of the lobster and DFW. Talk- what? Goddamn. Dallas Fort Worth? <laughs> anyway, he talks about how, like, you didn't used to be able to feed lobsters to prisoners because it was considered cruel many, and unusual yeah. because they were a bottom feeding sea bug. Um, but they're they fucking taste high so class delicious. It, there's yeah, a fish that I good. actually oh, really oysters love. are the same way. Oysters were poor people. Yes, food. not. Oh yeah, because right. they're a little filtering not. thing. But um, well, I, there's a fish called the golden tile, and it mainly eats crustaceans, and so its flesh is very crustaceany. Hmm. Um, I, and we, I I used to tell people to eat that because it was the only fish that I liked at the fish restaurant I worked at because I fucking hate fish. Um, <laughs> oh so it, wow! It was funny because okay. people be like, "Well, what do you eat here?" And I was like, "Honestly, the the chicken." <laughs> Or the steak, but you clearly want the fish, and I will tell you to eat the golden tile. It's the most expensive mm. one, but it's also delicious. So, golden yeah. tile. There you go. Golden tile. Check it out wherever wherever fine. I'm sure food is sold. I'm sure management was v- very happy with you. They were just like, this motherfucker sells a lot of golden mm. tile. They were, My they God. were like ecstatic. They were like, how do you always upsell to like the golden tile? Because you know we we would get fresh fish fresh every day. So one of our things was every day when we came in, it's like, okay, we got X amount of pounds of this, X amount of pounds yeah, of this. Yeah, we got to move it. Yeah. yeah. And so they would just be like, Brian, how come you always sell so much golden tile? I was like, because it's the only fucking thing I can stand here. <laughs> I will sometimes be able to sell a flounder because I like flounder. Oh, because, flounder's so good. Because I have a history of catching and eating and, you know, filleting flounder with my my grandfather and my father. But also Sorry, Ariel. I can best sell, friend is dead. <laughs> I, well, flounder <laughs> looked like a grouper. But anyway, Under the sea. what I was going to say is also they would cook the goddamn thing whole and then mm. I get to bring it out to the table and debone it in front of these people. 
and so I was able to sell it on like the uh, the performance of it. Yeah, if you got to see me standing, table side walk, deboning table side. It's yeah, I think that was honestly cooler than the guac. And I would like have fun with it. I'd be like, yeah, this is you know, I'm just putting myself through med school. How am I doing? Ah, people fucking loved me. I was okay, but like I have to, I have to ask because like I come to the movie from the gourmet side mm-hmm. of the food critic, and like I giggled and thought the snarkiness was like appropriate, and like I do have like similar views on like the people who regularly can afford those kind of meals. Like, how do you, as like a former server, like come like what would you say is your commentary like on the kitchen staff and the overall message of the movie. I mean, like I said, I, I loved it. And I, I, I recognized a lot of those people from like the serving standpoint, like the, the mm-hmm. couple that's clearly in the middle of something and I just need to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> and the guys who are being assholes and like yeah, the, the really money ter- guys. Yeah. The terribly yeah. awkward date that I just can't look at because it's like a goddamn car accident where there's an arm hanging out a window and it's not moving at all. Yeah, I, I just I yeah, like to, I like to like, <laughs> no, we've all yeah, had so your that enjoyment was like heightened by the fact that you've been living in that world before. Like, yeah, for some and time. I am I am I am a very I'm very much on the outside from the consumer level because like that's not my type of thing. So when she asked for the cheeseburger, in fact, when Nicholas Holt was told to go up and do it, I was like, it it, it speaks a lot to his character that he he was like. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, we need shallots, and I need but. And meanwhile, I would have been like, <laughs> I need three slices of American cheese. I need two <laughs> pieces of sourdough bread. I need some butter. I need a pan. I'm just gonna make you a grilled cheese because that's what I'm capable of, and I can fucking knock a grilled cheese out of the park, right? But I'm not about to be. I don't know how to cook a goddamn lamb. That's not oh, happening. It's really easy. Wow, Robin! Just thanks. put it in the soup. Hi, Robin. Made it this. Can you imagine, Bill? If once. this. If in this movie he had been like, okay, now we're going to sous vide the lamb. So we can all just chill <laughs> it, out for four hours. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to take four hours because I really need the mallard effect to like happen. And like, yeah. <laughs> the Maillard effect. The Maillard. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I could see my myself getting up there and being like, do you have brisket? Okay. I'll see you in eight hours. Give me. Uh, th- what kind of smoker do you have? You got a pellet smoker? We're talking about alcohol. <laughs> what are you doing? You have yeah, a Kamado grill. Like, I need yeah. to get me <laughs> an Ortolan. I need a, a, oh, a thing of yeah. We were just talking about Ortolan yesterday. I had the privilege <laughs> of teaching my friend what it was, and it was. Uh, what is an Ortolan? Ortolan is you drown a bird in brandy and then like. No, no, you're missing a lot of steps. First, you <laughs> is, have is to. Is this like wet brining? Take the bird. It's a live bill. It's a, you take a live bird. It's a, sort of it's like a songbird. Then you have wait, to pick, wait, wait, wait. Is this is this like a boiling a frog thing? Like, what are we well, doing? Let, no, let Robin, let Robin explain it. It's a okay, real it dish. It was on succession. It was on succession. It is. Yeah. It was also in um, Hannibal. Oh, Okay. Okay. I've seen this twice now then. <laughs> it's a bird that's like a songbird. It's kind of like a a, a bunting or something like endangered? that. I don't know. You I'm pluck it, it from the wild. You pierce its eyes so that it's blind. So you pluck out its eyes basically while it's alive. You stick you stick it in a cage so that it eats itself to death. Um you drown it in Armagnac, I believe. And 
I forget how it's cooked, but then you're supposed to eat it whole and you have to keep like a, a veil over a your napkin head. For shame yeah. the decadence. Gonna, exactly. Cause it's so decadent that you can't even look at each other. You eat this bird whole hide from God. And then yeah. the bones of the bird are supposed to cut your tongue. And the blood that comes out of your tongue is the, is the seasoning baby. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, fuck all of this. <laughs> all of this. So I hate there's so apparently much. this was also in the show Billions. This is just one of those things where it's like if you've got a rich those enough really character. Rich people things. Yeah, yeah, they gotta go eat they've it. They've gotta eat an ortolan. The fragile songbird from France, which weighs less than an ounce and is about the size of your thumb, was served exclusively to royalty and rich gourmands until it became illegal in nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah. Jesus. Well, you know what else is illegal? Costume Marzu, and I still have that. What? What? That Sardinian cheese. Yeah. Do you want to tell them what it is, Joy? No, no, you you know better than me. It's cheese processed via maggots. Maggots. And oh. you eat the maggots when it's fresh. You eat the maggots? That's fucked up. You yeah. But I'm usually like, what happens is the maggots will fl- eventually turn to flies and fly away and then you can eat the hard cheese. But if you eat the cheese fresh, it's very ammoniac and s- sour and spicy. And the, the maggots apparently jump. I haven't eaten the maggots. I've only had the post the post, post fly. maggot. Yeah. I um Yeah, because you can get sick from it. So oh, fucking, yeah, yeah, the maggots are not great for you. They can also jump into your eye and give you problems. I'm on cheese talk, <laughs> right? The so FDA I- is having a nightmare on both of these fronts. <laughs> like I don't know what, and what kind of calorie count are we talking about here? Like oh, I don't sure know. This is <laughs> um, the 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 new protein on cheese, cheese on cheese talk the other day i was watching a uh, oh jesus a tiktok about <laughs> you're I follow- just you're just finding new ways of saying tiktok without saying mm-hmm. tiktok and right, you're like on like, cheese talk every tiktok <laughs> has a lot of sub genres of tiktoks no so, kidding you know, there's there's kink talk there's oh, bi pirate talk and then there's meat talk which i'm i'm following like six different people who will teach you how to break down a whole pig it's incredible Ooh, nice it's I actually do like really meat great. Instagram. Meat they Instagram. will they will be like, all right, what you got to do is you got to go to the Costco business center where you can buy wholesale full meat. And if you get like this tenderloin and you are willing to like do six cuts, you will get like 14 like filet mignons oh. and all this stuff. Are I'm you like, talking oh, about like awesome. picana or whatever? Picanha? Like that's picanha. Yeah, that's that's a popular cut of meat right now. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Um, but so anyway, I was I was on Cheese Talk. I follow like 16 different cheesemongers because they will like break open a cheese wheel and tell you all about the cheese. And there was one that involved mites. Like there's mites mm. on the rind because they are a part of the process. But when they, mm. you know, get ready to sell it, they vacuum the mites off. And I was like, what happened Excellent. to the mites then? I don't know. <laughs> I do remember a couple of years ago, or no, this was a long time ago when I was in college. I remember uh, we were at like a like a central market, like a high end kind of grocer, and <laughs> we were in the cheese aisle, and I saw a cheese wheel for the, not the first time, but definitely the first time in person. Like I've just never really seen one before. And I was like, oh shit! And then I saw the price on it. And I went to my buddy. I was like, that whole cheese wheel is $30. We could eat on that for like a month. 
Like, I was just like, do you want this? And he was just like, uh, that's a lot of commitment. What if we don't like it? And I was like, oh no, that is a commitment. What if we don't like the cheese? So, but yeah, I remember being really also, massively expensive. Uh, a, no, like, like that's a cheap. barrel chest of, of cheese. Like, like, it's like a big like, Parmesan meal is like $200. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was $30 for wow. this. I don't know. It was some kind of cheddar <laughs> and it was just like, what the fuck? Like, what there's no cheddar that you great? wouldn't like. Like, I mean, there, yeah. there are some cheddars that are better than others, but like even bad cheddar is good. Yeah. But I, I would definitely have to go to like the cheesemonger or whatever and be like, give me a slice of that, please. Let me, yeah, let me, let me taste that. Okay. Yeah. I'll commit to $30 worth of giant cheese wheel, which is probably, you know, a quarter of what you actually get because of all the rind and everything like that, you know, rind is so usable. What? No, use it to flavor. That's that's wax. Yeah, you you put it in. Mm. Make suck. Yeah, you put it in. Oh, okay. You're you're thinking. Okay, yeah. I guess I guess there's two different ways to rind a cheese. There's like an actual rind, and there, then there are you, edible rinds, and then there are like wax. Waxy rinds. The like, wax. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Like again, if you if you get on Cheese Talk and follow some of these people, they'll tell you which <laughs> ones have an edible rind. You know, and they talk about an ash rind, like what kind of wash it is. I don't like. Guys, brie. I'm getting too hungry. I think we also we've been talking for <laughs> over two hours, up. and yeah, I think this only is 25 it. minutes of that have been about the movie. Okay, so Hamilton. We basically, like I'll the movie. It. I think that's yeah. what we're all taking away from it. And I think that I think that if we this is this is probably to people who actually listen to all of the episode, which um, I don't know if you're out there. What's up? Um, I. I think that in movies like this where we end up getting lost on tangents that are still related to the movie, I will I will put that caveat in there. I think that is a credit to the movie because we would not be coming up with these things Agreed. if it were not related to the movie. Yeah, like, the themes are not evocative of like more things you, we think about. Right. And it's, and it's so not like the we, point. When we talked about Don't Worry, Darling, and I was like, here's a much more interesting thing this movie could have done. Where it's like, yes, technically the movie made me think of that, but that wasn't its point. Like, this movie invites you <laughs> to interrogate the concepts of, like, class and and wealth and, you know, structural and whatever and environments and power dynamics all inherent in art and food and life. Because And sex! <sighs> yes, Robin, and sex. Just saying. I know it's yes. Everything is everything is sex. Um, except sex. Except sex. sex. Power. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. House of Cards. Woo. Oh, that's a sentence I've never said before in my life. Again, but <laughs> not the best time to say <laughs> that. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Anyway, um, do we? Do, let. I'm not even going to say do we. Joy, do you specifically have any final thoughts about this movie? Um, I enjoyed watching the movie. It was really fun from like a foodie, you know, perspective. Um, I mean, I just wish that it had a little bit more oomph in terms of like ratcheting up maybe the humor or a bit of the drama. But overall, I enjoyed the, the movie, so she could see it. All right. Excellent. Well, let that be the last word. The menu is in theaters now. Check it out. Um, let's, uh, that's, that's it. That's it for today. Um, 
If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash filmstageshow to give us your money. Other than that, uh, Twitter, at filmstageshow, Facebook, the filmstageshow. Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? I think we are off for Thanksgiving, but we'll be coming back with the Fablemans. Ooh, I'm going to have to make a decision as to whether or not I'm going to be a part of that. <laughs> I think you should. Why? Because <laughs> uh, you're the best. That, yeah, you know, flattery will sometimes get me everywhere. Places. Yeah. God. Anyway, I'll think we're going to have a great it. guest for that. Are we able to say or no? Oh, man. Um, I'm not ready to say, but she will be great. This movie, it's an, uh, Spielberg working with Tony fucking Kushner again. This guy has got to get some new fucking friends. <laughs> and I say that as someone who liked Kushner's work in Munich, but like for real, if he, if, if Kushner and Janusz Kamiski could just lose Spielberg's number, I think that I'd be a lot happier. Anyway, let's not jump into the Fableman's review right away before I've even had a chance to see it. Let's still find people at home where you can find us between now and the next time that we're shouting in their ears incoherently. Joy, would you like to tell people where they can find your work online <laughs> or follow you or whatever? Um, I am on Twitter under Joy Huilin, however long that app exists for before Musk burns it to the ground. Yeah, that's generally <laughs> where you can find he's me. He's trying his what's damnedest. Funny is, what's funny is that usually when you say like, oh, someone's trying to burn to the ground, it's like a malicious thing. And it really feels like he just like accidentally knocked over like a kerosene <laughs> lamp. Accidentally <laughs> with incompetence. I just keep thinking of like the cyber truck where they're like, it's indestructible. And then somebody literally takes a sledgehammer and just like starts wailing on the truck and it breaks. It's yeah. like, Titanic, okay, that iceberg. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah, there's that. I, he. It reminds me of like there's an episode of Frasier where it's like everyone's plans for Valentine's Day and Niles is is like has an entirely silent section where he's just trying to like get ready for a date. But he spills something in his pants and then he has to clean them and he tries to iron them. And then like everything catches on fire and he keeps passing out because he like cuts his finger and he's like not okay with the sight of blood. And that's just how I imagine Elon is like running around Twitter headquarters right now. Except less charming because he's not David Hyde Pierce. All right. Bill Graham, where can people find you online? Uh, you can't find me on TikTok even though I have one because my friend kept sending me TikToks. That's how uh, I got and, started. That's yeah, <laughs> the, the only way I could view it was to have a TikTok account. It's very annoying. Uh, but you won't find me there. Uh, oh, you can find me on, on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet enough because must doesn't pay me any money so uh no no uh but i am on instagram at billstagram where i post cute puppy photos or also the brisket that i cooked the other day or you know other musings on there uh and of course always on the slack channel uh join our patreon to get access to that uh always a fun time over there um yeah bill when are you gonna try to cook tyler's bullshit uh, what? 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 <laughs> Is it when you're gonna try to cook Tyler's bullshit? Remember when they're like making the they have like the title cards for the food? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they literally title his Tyler's bullshit. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Um, uh, no, I don't. I don't want to cook that. Uh, I think it was lamb. Was it lamb? Yeah, it was lamb. like shallot. I, I feel. undercooked lamb, shallot yeah. leek lamb. 
What's funny is yeah. that when they said, like, what do you need next, Tyler? I was like, he's going to say shallots at some point. And he fucking did because he's a moron. Yeah. Shallots are so overrated. I mean, I like them, but they're really too spicy for their own good. Girl, like, I be agree. milder. Just, yeah. Just go with garlic and onion, man. I know. Just, Just get an onion, Tyler. Just ask yeah, for dick. a sweet Vidalia onion. Oh, I love Vidalia. Oh, Vidalias are mm. good. Mm. Anyway. Robin, All right. So where can we find me? Bar, where can you be found? <laughs> Um, well, you can find me on Twitter for now, I guess, uh, at R O B Y N B A H R. Um, and you can sometimes find my writing here and there, Hollywood reporter, etc. All right. Killer. I can be found on the Twitter still, um, again, for as long as it's around. If it dies, I'm not going to Mastodon or Hive or whatever. I'm just, I'm I heard Hive is better, but for whatever I've heard Hive is like more of a smooth transition than like Mastodon, mm-hmm. which everything I've read about Mastodon makes it seem like a goddamn nightmare. Yeah, it's um, not user-friendly. No, it, it, it's, it, it reminds me of a Silicon Anti-user. Valley where like <laughs> it, they, their whole thing is like, we have this great program, but it was like designed by engineers and all of their beta testers were engineers and they didn't realize how fucking confusing it would be to a normal human being who has like a 401k and a job anyway. Um, so anyway, if Twitter dies, uh, my online presence mostly dies with it. But you can follow me on Instagram at Brian J. Rowan. You can find my whiskey and stuff at inkwellwhiskey.com and schmidtspirits.com. And uh, you can find all of my writing and every episode of this here podcast over at thefilmstage.com. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. Oh! Peace!